0: Good night. It came from Cleveland, Ohio.
1: A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the bar. Now at last, the real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable soul will survive this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror. And you're invited. Foolish unto you. Something evil.
2: Hello, darling, it's me, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, the sassy lassie with the classy chassis. Oh, thanks for bringing me into your home. Not
3: recommended for impressionable children. Oh.
4: (laughs) Oh, Elvira's not too bad for the kids welcome uh, back to it came from Cleveland our gosh are we' on episode 22 now yes we are thank you Michelle uh, I say who's counting and Michelle says I am uh, yes I'm <laughs>
5: keeping an eye on things
4: <laughs> I just uh, uh, I have to look at our playlist uh, once I upload the show and then I then I can uh, get it right but welcome to the show episode 22 very special show tonight We've got uh, some really great stuff to talk about uh, this evening. And, of course, some... Uh, 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 you, you heard it there. Cassandra Peterson, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. I'm so happy that I get to spend an hour talking about her exploits in Hollywood. She is a living legend, and we all love her. And, uh, actually, had a poster of her on my closet door as a, as a young boy. <laughs> so... Um, and then my mom had to ruin it by trying to go as Elvira one year for Halloween, and I was like, Mom, why? <laughs> that um, was a big
5: Halloween costume.
4: <laughs> yeah, and uh, of it course... Is the number one costume. Yeah, yeah, true, true. So, Mom, um, and thanks, Mom, for helping out. Uh, but anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, of course, uh, Michelle, you're going to be talking about somebody uh, super special to you in Hour 3.
5: Oh, yes, I am. Mr. Roddy McDowell.
4: Uh, Oh, yeah. So, another great one. And, of course, we're going to bypass the Twilight Zone talk tonight so Michelle can really uh, uh, flex her uh, uh, um, Roddy McDowell muscles on the program tonight. (laughs) And, uh, of course, Joe, uh, somebody that we've talked about on the show before, especially on the Kolchak special, um, you're going to be talking about uh, a, a man who towered above m- many others.
6: Yes, he was. He was big in Hollywood. Big. Uh, Richard Keel.
4: That's right. Yes. And I found out something disturbing about Elvira and Richard. It, it is that she doesn't know how to say Richard Keel's name.
5: Oh no! <laughs> oh wow!
4: <laughs> I'll get to there that goes later. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> And uh, of course, miles, you have a, a haunting World War II story for us uh, tonight as well, which uh, I've been looking forward to. Uh, yes, the the bomber known as Old Six six six. So that's pretty exciting. And um, but yeah, so uh, this is uh, this is gonna be a fun show. We've got a lot of good stuff. again, kind of a lead up show. To Halloween, and uh, Michelle, something uh, right off uh, the bat that I did not realize is, I think it's been four years now, that uh, Cassandra Peterson stopped doing her Knott's Scary Farm stage show, where she would uh, do, uh, she did uh, a month and a half worth of shows starting about this time of year, all the way up to Halloween, and um, she stopped doing it. So, I I did not know that. And, of course, that's Knott's Berry Farm out in uh, California, but uh, they, they renamed it for Halloween, of course. Not Scary Farm.
5: Yeah, I didn't know she did that. Oh, well, actually, no. I think I did. I just didn't know she had stopped. Um, but uh, she's got a shutter special coming up, so that's true, cool.
4: True, true. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, you when it gets uh, uh, close to Halloween, you pretty much... Uh, can't you know uh turn around without bumping into something Elvira well I, of course be careful <laughs> um, because you know there you you uh, need to respect her, per, her uh, personal space um yes. <laughs> but uh anyway uh yeah so uh the, you know the I have been a fan for the longest time and of course she started out uh on you know she she thought uh her job was um. Just kind of cheesy at first. And then she kind of became an overnight sensation. And uh, what was a local show, uh, w- where she was her horror hostess uh, persona, um, blew up and became a national sensation. She started um, Elvira, Mrs. R- Mistress of the Dark, um, on the uh, movie Macabre on KHJTV tv out of Los Angeles. Um, and the, uh, you know, and she just did all kinds of crazy old horror movies and, you know, did the, the whole thing before MST3K was a thing, riffed on stuff, made jokes, uh, you know, did her own self-deprecation and, you know, and actually she, she did self-deprecation jokes, but she was all, she was proud of herself too. She was proud to be sexy and smart, you know? And, uh, she, you know, she knew what she had and she wasn't afraid to flaunt it. And I admire her for that. Um, you know, she's, you know, I I know in the, in this day and age, uh, you know, you have to be kind of be careful about things. Uh, but, um, she kind of broke that, you know, uh, that barrier of, of, um, being simply objectified and, uh, kind of was her own her own thing, you know, she just was and still is. And it's pretty amazing. Um, but, uh, they, uh, the producers, uh, of the show, um, asked, um, uh, Myla Nurmi to revive uh, a but she didn't want to. So they kind of, and uh, there was a lot of stuff. There was a, a Myla Nermi. Actually uh, tried to sue uh, them for the Elvira character, but honestly, the the, I, the the two characters are you know I I think drastically different. And the thing is, Vampira was heavily based on um uh uh what's the um oh uh the Adams family, Morticia Adams. Uh, you know that that character was heavily based on Morticia Adams, and. The comedy element of uh, Elvira was so much more, you know, over the top than Vampire. You know, Vampire was definitely a lot more goth and you know morose, She's
5: very dry.
4: Yeah. So you know, but the it was an unsuccessful lawsuit, and um, uh, but uh, but yeah, so it was um, you know, there there was. I guess the argument could be made that you know it was kind of a ripoff, but I, I I don't see it. And you know the the Vampira stuff, hardly any Vampira stuff survived too, which is yeah, a shame. From what I'd heard, the uh, Elvira team was
7: willing to give a little something, but the uh, Vampira
4: side was demanding too much, and so wound up with nothing. Yeah. So, and that stinks, because Myla Nermy was an interesting person. Um, I have, um, I believe I have a documentary of her around here somewhere that at some point we'll, we'll talk about Myla Nermy on the show.
5: Yeah, I saw that documentary. It's a good one. So,
4: yeah, and she she passed away a few years back, but uh, she was one of the last surviving members of Plan 9 from Outer Space Cats, although I think, no, I think everybody's dead from Plan 9. Um... But uh, but yeah, so I, I found some really fun archival um, footage of her. I found all kinds of stuff, uh, and even uh, as much as we uh, instead of doing the on with the show at the top of the hour, I've compiled two breaks for the tops of the hour with nothing but Elvira commercials
8: <laughs> for oh, all cool. kind of,
4: <laughs> for all kinds of different products. But I have a lot of really fun stuff, and uh, we're gonna go um, chronologically. And, Michelle, you're going to be uh, tickled by this. But, uh, in um, you know, I was watching. I don't think Elvira was ever on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. I would have to research it. But the interviews I saw with her on The Tonight Show, one was with Joan Rivers, one was, was with David Brenner, and then with Jay Leno. Um. So I don't know if there was something, if Johnny Carson didn't want to, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Who wouldn't want to be on the same stage as Vampire, or I'm sorry, Elvira. Oops, I screwed up. Um, but uh, but yeah. So David Brenner um, uh, was hosting the Tonight Show in 1984, and Elvira was on stage with somebody else. Michelle, do you know who that was?
5: I am guessing it's my all-time favorite actor, Vincent Price.
4: Uh, let's find out.
2: I'm a natural beauty myself. I don't wear any makeup. Oh,
0: she's very beautiful. Yeah, she is yeah. very beautiful. Oh, yes. <laughs> Vincent knows vampires. If he, he says kidding. you're beautiful,
2: well, Vincent has been in almost every movie I've ever shown on we my see. show. Like, <laughs> Vincent owns stock in my show. Yes, points, <laughs> points. I do. he been in quite a few Poe movies on my show. I know it. Some of them more Poe than the others.
3: You're so <laughs> right. <laughs>
4: Oh, bitches, they were. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, so it, it's nice. You know, Vincent Price had a, a, a fun sense of humor about that. Cause yeah, he was in some, some low budget movies, but they were all still great.
5: Yeah. And he enjoyed, he just enjoyed acting. Yeah. You know, he just, he just enjoyed the And, you yeah, there would hardly be something that he would say no to, which was fun.
8: So,
4: mm-hmm. yeah. And now the, the what's really great, uh, though, about her, um, the movie macabre series is just the longevity that it's had. Um, and, and again, it's because she was picking some really great movies. Um, and, uh, you know, in it, she, it, she, it wasn't long after her, her first, you know, TV shows, she was actually branching out into home video. She was a, a, a very early pioneer in uh, straight to video stuff because it wasn't necessarily her actual shows. Um, there was, a uh, a, a series that, and this is something that is highly sought after for, uh, video collectors, for VHS collectors, something that I've recently learned quite a bit about. Um, but there was, uh, you guys, do you guys remember when VHS tapes used to come in like those jumbo boxes, like those jumbo cardboard yes. boxes? Yeah. So often referred to as big box, um, for people who are selling them. Uh, But um, International Video Entertainment, IVE, you've probably seen that on VHS tapes back in the day. Um, They put out a series called Thriller Video. And um, Thriller Video, nothing to do with Michael Jackson. um, They uh, released uh, VHS and Betamax films. And they did uh, the British TV shows uh, Thriller... And Hammer's House of Horror, and of course they put out uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and um, but uh, yeah. So there was there were a lot of movies that were put out. Uh, The ones that were hosted by Elvira, you know. And this again, this is very early in video direct video stuff. Um, Alabama's Ghost, Attack of the Swamp Creature, the Carpathian Eagle. Charlie Boy, Children of the Full Moon, The Cyclops. By the way, I just bought a copy of The Cyclops in a lot, uh, which is a great old horror flick. Um, Dead of Night, Dracula. I believe that's the Dracula with Jack Palance. Uh, Frankenstein, not sure which version. Um, Oh, actually, uh, television adaptation uh, with... From Dark Shadows creators Dan Curtis and Robert Foxworth. Okay, with Bo Svensson as the monster. Um, Growing Pains. Never heard of that movie. That's a Hammer movie. Uh, Guardian, uh, Guardians of the or Guardian of the Abyss. The House that Bled to Death. The Human Duplicators. The Monster Club. That's a that's a good one. That's a Vincent Price one. Um, Natas the Reflection. Do you know what Natas spells backwards?
8: <laughs> no idea at all.
4: <laughs> I, I can't figure it out. And Oh, wait. Could it be... Could it be... Satan! Yeah, I knew I had that clip around here somewhere. Uh, the picture of Dorian Gray, Rude Awakening, The Silent Scream, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, the Turn of the Screw from '74, The Thirteenth Reunion, The Two Faces of Evil, Visitors from the Grave, and Witching Time. That is a phenomenal amount of work to put out in the direct video market. And you know, I, I I'm having a hard time thinking of somebody who who had a similar kind of success. Yeah, there was a lot of other stuff like, you know, you remember all the ads learn how to shoot pool, <laughs> you know, uh, or Dorf on Golf, uh, you know. There was a glut of dumb stuff like that, uh, or like music uh, concerts and stuff like that, Or, um, but, you know, there, there was never quite, you know, this this was probably the first of its kind for a horror host anthology uh, direct-to-video series, so... Um so that was you know, again, w- with just her career starting within the, within five years to to have that happen is super impressive um and um uh, but you know and, and again there I, I don't even know how many movies there she did um for um, or, or how many episodes she did on her television series, but I'm I'm guessing it was probably a lot. Uh. <laughs> so now this, but in uh, and, and of course uh, the we we just lost John Paragon recently. Of course, Jambi from uh, and Terry from um, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Uh, he was a reg- was a regular collaborator with uh, Cassandra Peterson. Uh, on a lot of her projects, and I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, there was a um, uh, well. No, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, she she collaborated with him on something else, but she also she worked with him on um, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, which is a great movie. Susan and I just rewatched it. Edie McClurg is hilarious, and uh, Cassandra Peterson's amazing. Just the entire cast is great. The little punk rock poodle is hilarious. Uh <laughs> Joe, if you haven't seen the Punk Rock Poodle, you need to look it up from Elvira Mistress <laughs> of the Dark. S- S-
6: Sounds interesting.
4: <laughs> yeah, we got a new look for Sharky, I think. Um <laughs> so, uh take him to the groomer uh this weekend. Um <laughs> yeah, sure. But uh the I I just watched the movie, but I forgot how awesome the trailer was for it. Because she's just just so over the top, and and you know, and the trailer is just as over the top, and, and and I love this because this is like a cool trailer that you know, and the audio is pretty cool for it too. You know, great, you know, overdub too. But uh, I'm not sure who the uh, um, voiceover guy is on this one, but it's a good, it, it's one of the big guys. But uh, here we go from 1988, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Wanna talk tough movies?
0: Here's a superhero with the biggest pair of all.
9: You
2: looking for me?
10: There she was, just walking down the street, singing. This Elvira is a slimy, slithering
9: succubus. A concubine, a streetwalker, a trap.
4: Yes, she's got it all. She's everything you've ever wanted in a movie. A woman and a casserole.
3: She was walking next to me. You'll see lots of weird romance.
6: What's that perfume you're wearing?
2: Super unleaded. don't smoke.
4: Loads of
2: drooling madness.
9: Ew, I hope you change the sheets. Hey, Elvira, we got us a couple more volunteers.
2: Great, just grab a tool and start banging.
9: A
1: whole gang of awesome monsters. I'm
9: fat, you
2: you know it.
1: And a few sleazy
3: experiments.
2: Oh. I mean, there's nothing wrong with G-rated movies. It's... As long as there's
1: lots of sex and violence. The charge is witchcraft.
2: We wanna have one of these every year.
0: See Elvira as Elvira, Mistress of the Dark.
2: But if they ever ask about me? Tell him I was more than
4: just a great set of... Do it's the greatest double it, feature it, of it, all time. Do do oh. it, the double entendres just flow. Uh, Always. <laughs> <laughs> and the the uh, um, the movie was directed by James uh, Senior Alley, who uh, did um, he didn't do a lot of different movies. Um, but, uh, it was co-written by, uh, a guy named Sam Egan, uh, which I've never heard of. He was a journalist and a screenwriter for television. Uh, but John Paragon and Cassandra Peterson, uh, they, they co-wrote this movie and it's such a good movie. Um, you know, the, it's, um, it's not a masterpiece by any stretch of the, of the imagination, But it's a great, fun movie. It's it's a better comedy than a lot of stuff that was out at the time, and you know the visual gags were great. The casserole is hilarious. The special effects on that are freaky. (laughs) Uh, Those are some brilliant practical effects. Do you remember the casserole, Michelle?
5: Oh yes, yes,
4: yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> the
5: casserole she made out of her great aunt's spell book.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, she. Uh, uh, that was that was hilarious, and I loved it because you know the whole whole plot revolves around uh, she inherits a, a house and uh, a spell book, which from her aunt, which she is referred to as a cookbook, a recipe book, in her will, but her crazy uncle wants to get his hands on it. Because he knows the value of it. Um, and uh, that guy was played... Uh, that was Great Uncle Vincent Talbot. Played by W. Morgan Shepard. Who I know was in something... Um, he... He, uh, uh, he is... He passed away a couple years ago. But uh, I know there was something big that I just saw him in not that long ago. Um... Uh, 2009, he was the Vulcan science minister in Star Trek. Uh, but it, it says he was uncredited in that. That's dumb. Um, and uh, it must have been a television show or something.
8: Oh, Doctor maybe? Who. Doctor Who. He
4: was uh, uh, the impo- in the Impossible Astronaut episode. That's why he looks so familiar. And, oh, and Dexter in 2011 as well. So... Uh, that's probably how I remember him, but what were you saying, Michelle?
5: I remember him from the Librarians.
4: Oh, okay, okay. I never watched that. I th- Susan did though. Um, but oh, look at that! He he was uh, uh, he was he, he was uh, did a voice in Biker Mike Biker Mice from Mars too, which uh, Jim Ward uh, did a voice in. He did a character called Lawrence Limberger.
5: <laughs> yes, he did, and I think he didn't. Isn't that when he won a Zemmy or something?
4: Uh, Jim Ward won his Emmy for a uh, biker mice from Mars yeah right right so, yeah exactly so uh, but you know it, it, it's a great cast and uh the the uh uh Jeff Conway you guys would probably uh Conway Jeff Conway uh he was uh uh Kaniki in uh Greece and he was uh, uh Bobby Wheeler on Taxi and uh Zach Allen on Babylon 5 miles ah so so yeah so and and again edie mcclurg everybody loves edie mcclurg um and i have a feeling they're probably in some pretty she's she's she and uh, cassandra peterson are probably in a pretty tight circle of uh actors and collaborators and stuff like that because um you know it, it's it's so funny because those two were kept popping up off and on on the stephanie miller show for you know just constantly um and it was it was so cool because it's like i mean they're totally you know just living icons and um and of course if anybody doesn't know Edie McClurg uh Ferris Bueller's Day Off and uh uh Carrie she was in Carrie so she's got horror chops too um but uh but yeah so uh you know i i can't recommend this movie enough it's a great fun for a Halloween movie and um and uh also just uh great for all of the right reasons because Elvira's in it.
5: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she um, doesn't hold back.
4: <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Uh you know, just grab a tool and start start uh whacking <laughs>
5: what was it? And um, all she was oh, grab she was a just tool a mis- and start under- pounding. Just a misunderstood woman that wanted to fund her own burlesque show in Vegas. That's all she wanted to do.
4: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, uh, let me see. I don't have a lot of time for uh, anything else before the break. So, let's just go ahead and go to break a little bit early, and I've got some more fun stuff for everybody when we come back. I, oh, yeah, go ahead. I, I have a
7: theory on uh, Johnny Carson not hosting... Of the show when Elvira was on, and it might be because she would always be on during Halloween, oh. and there might be like ratings uh, lulls during that time, and so sure. hosts might schedule their vacations then. So it just Makes may just sense. be that that just the way it was.
4: Makes sense. Uh, good thinking there, Miles. So, uh, all right, very good. Well, I'll tell you what—we've got our first trailer break coming up right now. Michelle, uh, why don't you tell everybody what we have for a horror birthdays for this uh, this break?
5: All right. Um, I did not get my notes out. Um, <laughs> I haven't
4: opened them up yet. Oh, I can I could probably help a little bit. Um, we've got uh, for Jennifer Tilly. We have. C- yeah, we have, Chucky. have C- seat of Chucky. And then after that, we've got uh, here. I'll start running our music here uh, for Ed Begley Jr. Yes, Trans- we
5: have Transylvania Sixty-five Thousand.
4: Yes, and, and then go ahead.
5: Yeah, this one was hard to find. I had to find one with a speaking role in it for him. But Sir Ian Holm was in "Bless the Child."
4: Ah, I'm gonna have to see that. I've never seen that. It's a good one. All right. So yeah, so those are our three coming up. Uh, seed of Chucky. Uh, uh, I just as a side note, sold a copy of that on VHS recently for sixty dollars, <laughs> unsealed. Could you imagine what that it, it was sealed? <laughs> so, but anyway, we'll be right back. With lots more right after this.
8: Good <laughs> girl.
1: I told you not to leave your toys
6: lying about. Good God, you are
8: hideous.
3: (laughs) The last time, he took a
1: bride. But this time, in order to become the parents of a human baby, they'll need just the right woman. Jennifer Tilly.
9: Production is underway on the new horror flick, Chucky Goes Psycho. You know, I should have played Aaron Brockovich. I could have done it without Wonder Bra. In Planned Parenthood, timing is everything, so you'll have to hurry. This shouldn't be a problem for you.
3: This fall, Chucky's back, and he's delivering us some evil. Come to papa.
8: What is going on
9: in here? Mm-hmm. She uh, came on to me. No wonder her career's in trouble.
4: Seed of Chucky. That's my boy.
9: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God bless the little people. This November,
1: get a load of Chucky. It began as a routine assignment. Transylvania. Where is that? I don't know. It's over there someplace. But beneath the surface. Transylvania's cute. Cute of this happy land. <gasps> horror awaits them. <laughs> I'm investigating Frankenstein.
11: You mean the monster?
1: And a terrible secret lurks in the shadows. I'm
4: terribly sorry, we thought you were an animal. He is.
1: Now, they're discovering the truth.
12: Did you see Dracula? Yeah, yeah, when it first came out.
1: About the creatures of the night.
12: Shut up, you lowlife! I am low. I'm low.
1: The curse of the undead. Huh? Did you want to hurt me? Hurt you? No.
8: you.
1: The terror of the full moon.
8: Oh, yeah, I'm going
1: into death. And the monster that science created.
8: Full house.
1: But could not destroy. Does this hurt? Does this hurt? Good. Everything hurts. Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Ed Begley, Jr. Hi, ladies. Joseph Bologna. Oh and gina davis
8: tell me you want me too
1: for a good time called did six five thousand he's good
3: huh? i used to think it was autism
5: but i'm not so sure anymore it's as if she's listening to something something we can't hear or see
9: don't let them get the little girl
5: she's special you know that don't you
12: that's why they want
8: her. All these things will I
12: give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Satan's temptation of Christ. He tried to turn her to his sight. If he can't, he'll destroy her. Feel that hate? Feels good, doesn't it? Something that feels that good can't be wrong. Join us, Cody,
8: join us.
13: how dry I am how dry I am
12: nobody cares how dry I am
4: god that was awkward anyway uh, <laughs> call back to our last episode where we did our fun Twilight Zone review uh, welcome back to the show and uh, of course uh, hello miles Um, hello, Michelle. Hi. (laughs) Hello, Joe. (laughs) Hello.
8: Oh, yeah, hello.
4: All right, so here we go. Uh, We're going to do a bit of a time jump on the character of Elvira. Um, After 1988's uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, uh, which I'd be curious to see what the box office was on that, Um, because uh, I think... uh, uh, I think it did pretty well. Um, but uh, but after that, which was uh, uh, interesting, was that she... I don't know if you guys know this, but there was supposed to be a television series called The Elvira Show in 1993. And it looked... I mean, it really looked like it was... It, it had the potential to be a fun show because they actually made a pilot, and aired it. And, uh, and the cast was absolutely wonderful. Um, uh, it, it had... Uh, 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 let me see, where's the... Uh, um, what, Catherine Hellman, is that her name? Um, who was in Soap? Uh,
8: yes.
4: Yeah, Catherine Hellman. It, and, uh, it had the voice of John Paragon as her cat, uh, Renfield. And it also had, um, oh, from Pee-wee's Playhouse, uh, um, oh gosh, let me, let me, uh, I don't think there's a Wikipedia entry for this show, I want to get the cast right, Um, but uh, yeah, uh, she she had a black cat who was voiced by uh, John Paragon, um, and uh, it, it was just treated as a TV movie, but it was only like 30 minutes long. But, yeah, Catherine Hellman was in it as Aunt Minerva. Um, uh, Let me see. Uh, Lynn Marie Stewart, who uh, was in Pee-Wee's Playhouse as... um, uh, Or Pee-Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, no, wait a second. She was in Pee-Wee's Big Adventure as Mother Superior, but I think she was in the stage show um, of uh, whatever the Pee-Wee Herman uh, stage show was that... He was doing before it was a, um, a television series. Um, oh yeah, no, no, she was Miss Yvonne in in the TV series. Okay, yeah, so yeah, as as Lynn Stewart. Yeah, so she was in thirty episodes. Um, and of course, she she plays uh, uh, I believe Charlie's mom in uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That's uh, what she does uh, currently. But um, the the first um, the first the opening scene is with uh, Elvira and uh, Cassandra Peterson of course, and Lynn Marie Stewart with a little bit of a cameo uh, in this from John Paragon as the kitty cat, and um, it, this is the opening scene and Elvira basically is uh, she's a witch she lives with her aunt Minerva, in and uh, in Manhattan I won't spoil the surprise for that. And um, with their cat, Renfield. And uh, Elvira is uh, telling fortunes and selling potions and things like that. And uh, here's the opening scene from that from 1993 The Elvira Show.
2: Let's see, Lorraine, what do the spirits have in store for you today? What? I'm seeing something. Is it a man? Well, I'll be darned. It is. Do you know, uh, Bill? No. How about the Bob?
9: No. Uh, Jack? No. Mike? No. You don't know anybody named Mike? No.
2: Girl, you gotta get out of the house more. Lucky for you, I'm running a special on love motions this week. Oh. Now, for only $99.95, you can get my special deluxe love kit guaranteed to give you a lifetime of matrimonial bliss with a man of your dreams. Who oh, will take it. Ooh, smart girl. And, uh... <laughs> wouldn't it be worth an extra 20 bucks for him to be faithful? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> now, what you do, Miss Wiesner, is you drink this little bottle of love potion, then you get naked... And you dance around this little red candle like crazy until you work up a real good sweat.
3: <laughs> Ew, not a pretty picture.
7: Oh,
2: Redfield, don't be so catty. W- what? Oh, I was just talking to the cat. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, anyway, you do this every night until Mr. Wright windsurfs into your life. <laughs> oh, Elvira, how can I ever thank you? Next time, bring
8: cash. <laughs> there you go so
4: uh but yeah i'm sure you could probably pick out john paragon's voice there michelle
5: oh yeah yeah he's he's very very familiar
4: yeah and he is a familiar in this yes he is <laughs> uh and uh have you seen this uh this this uh pilot
5: I have not. I didn't even well, know it existed.
4: So. Well, yeah, it, it's uh, you can find it over on YouTube for free, so it's pretty Definitely exciting. Definitely check so it out. I won't spoil the whole episode for you, but I do have um, the second clip, because I figured we got to have some Catherine Hellman in you know, in here as Aunt Minerva. Uh, so the scene opens uh, with her uh, returning home from the grocery store with a shopping cart behind her being pushed by nobody. <laughs> So, here you go.
8: Hello? Hello?
9: I'm back. (laughs) Come in.
2: Careful of the step. (laughs) (laughs) Minerva? What the heck are you doing with that shopping
9: cart? Oh, don't worry, dear. I'll send it right back to the store but what if I always told you about exposing yourself? Oh, dear, did I tuck my skirt into my pantyhose again? (laughs) No,
2: I mean exposing your witchcraft. Come on, you know the rules. As long as you don't do it in public, you can do it as much as you like.
3: Or until you need glasses. (laughs) Oops, too
9: late. (laughs) You shut up, you furball, or I'll have you neutered again.
2: elvira i hate living in the closet look i don't like it any better than you do but i'm sick and tired of pulling up stakes just to keep from getting burned at one (laughs) besides i like living here in manhattan
9: oh yes glamorous manhattan when you told me we were moving to manhattan i thought broadway Times Square, but no, you meant Manhattan, Kansas. The little apple, the city that always sleeps. The main thing is that nobody's caught on to the fact that we're witches, and I'd like to keep it that way. Okay? Well, it's not as if we were Siegfried and Roy. I mean, we can only do a few harmless parlor tricks, moving shopping carts, fixing parking meters, switching price codes. You can switch price codes? Of course. Look, I got this family-sized jar of chunky peanut butter for only
2: 25 cents. Did you get my shaving cream? I knew I forgot something. Oh, great. I'll just spread this on my legs and let the rats chew off the hairs. (laughs) Now, can you please? this shopping cart back to
9: the store can I at least ride in it Minerva I'll push it I'll push it
3: (laughs) Oh Minnie bring back some kitty litter or you'll be sorry
4: (laughs) see you know I would have rather seen this than married with children you know or whatever yes you know this this was was really fun so again I just got two clips from it just to kind of show you you know, it was it was really well done, and I have to say though, the living room on this show looks super familiar. I think they recycled it from another show, or or vice versa, or reused it for a, another pilot. But the the living room setup looks super super familiar. Although there were a lot of very similar looking uh, TV sets for for households uh, back in the day. But, uh, but yeah, this was uh you know, I mean, Joe, how cool would that have been to have a, an actual Elvira TV show?
6: <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. I'd like to have Elvira. Well, yeah.
4: oh boy, <laughs>
8: so.
4: uh, well, you know, hey, you never know. Um, but uh, you know, I I, uh, I think this is a shame, you know that it it, it was really well written. And uh you know, and I just I just don't see how they could have passed on it. I mean, they had other shows like Sabrina the Teenage Wish and stuff like that. Um, but uh, you know, the, I, I think that you know, this just could have been so much cooler than that. I don't know. but uh, I think I think uh, uh, w- this is a real loss for mankind, uh, miles. yeah, um he's he's
5: he's watching actually one of the episodes right now.
4: <laughs> well, the only episode um
5: Yum.
8: yeah
7: yeah i'm looking i was just looking at the living room trying to figure out if i could id, ID the living room
4: ah okay gotcha so uh yeah it kind of looks like like 12 simple rules for dating my daughter or something like that uh, it, i think that's the, the it was that john ritter show his last show for when he died um. and then james garner took over for him um uh but uh, that's what it kind of looked like to me but Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, the, the, you know, it's the show that never was. Um, but uh, you know, what's the, the great thing about her though, is with whatever setback she might have, uh, she, she continues on with the home video releases. There was another, you know, there were other DVDs that she did not that long ago of, you know, and they, they actually released, uh, Elvira's movie Macabre on, uh, re-released them on DVD. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we have one in our store. I don't remember what episode it, it is, but, uh, you know, it's some pretty cool movies. Uh, I think actually, oh, well, it's a double feature. And I think it's of her original television show too, which is interesting. Um, but, uh, but again, you know, uh, another, another bit of a time jump, 2002, great movie, another absolute, you know, her second feature film. Uh, you know, uh, what, 14 years later, uh, 2002 Elvira's Haunted Hills, uh, a, a, yet another, uh, collaboration, uh, with John Paragon. Um, and, uh, let me, let me, uh, bring this up because it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, written by, uh, Cassandra Peterson and John Paragon. And uh, starring Richard O'Brien from the Rocky Horror Picture Show and Shock Treatment, and a bunch of, and Dark City, he was great in Dark City. I love that movie. Um, and uh, you know, a, a much lesser known cast. Uh, you know, this is kind of a low budget movie, but it, it was actually released uh, June twenty uh, third, two thousand one. Um, and but then uh, at an international Rocky Horror fan convention. Um, but then it was released October 31st, 2002 in the United States. So, uh, so that's kind of cool. Uh, it's got a little connection to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but, um, uh, but yeah, so, uh, here you go. Elvira's Haunted Hills, uh, really, a- a- again, uh, the jokes are great. The story is fun and, you know, plays on a lot of haunted house tropes and a lot of the, you know, and there's actually quite a nod to the pit and the pendulum in this as well. Where she's uh, beneath a, pe- she's in a pit beneath a pendulum. <laughs> and uh, here you go. Here's the trailer for that.
1: You won't be able to move. You won't be able to scream. You won't be able to take your eyes off of Elvira's haunted hills. Allow me to present Elvira. <laughs>
2: Nice meeting you too.
1: Elvira.
2: Entertainer extraordinaire.
1: See Elvira stretch herself as an actress in her most challenging role.
8: I just love butterflies ever so much.
1: Richard O'Brien <laughs> in his most horrifying performance since the Rocky Horror Picture Show.
8: Oh, Why? Why?
9: Why? Snap out
2: of it. What are you going for, an Oscar?
1: <laughs> A film that is so steamy.
2: <laughs> Lord have mercy.
12: So shocking. That's another unfortunate Elzebus family trait: catalepsy.
1: Fear of cats. <laughs> You'll scream.
8: Yes, you're gone!
1: You'll gasp. <gasps> You'll die laughing. Ma-
2: Damn! I hate when that happens.
1: From the masterfully macabre mind of Elvira.
2: Right, like there's something going on in my mind.
1: Elvira's haunted hills. The village people say this castle is evil.
2: Who listens to the village people anymore?
4: (laughs) (laughs) I love that joke. This is great. (laughs) Who listens to the village people anymore? (laughs) Oh, that's hysterical. Uh, But yeah, great movie. Uh, I watched this uh, quite recently, this year, I believe. So yeah, I've watched both of uh, her movies recently, and uh, and uh, sold a copy of this on VHS to somebody in England uh, as well. So, uh, but uh, but yeah, you know, I I, I got to say the quality of these films is is it's great, and you know, she's uh, didn't have a big budget for this one. Uh, you know, she basically had her and John Paragon and Richard O'Brien. And, uh, oh, let's see, Mary Shear was in it too. Um, and, uh, she was in iCarly. I don't even know what that is really. Um, I kind of know what it is, but it's not my age bracket of being interested in. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, uh, again, you know, leading up to Halloween, this is, a, a lot of fun, a lot of fun, uh, from her. And, um, I highly recommend it. Um, another thing you can watch uh, that she did in conjunction with um, uh, Full Moon Entertainment, um, who does, they make so many bad movies, but they're they're bad good movies like Puppet Master and stuff like that, Doll Man. Um, but she did a series called Thirteen Nights of Elvira that can uh, be you can I think the the first episode at least is free on Amazon. And I think uh, if you get a subscription to IMDb, you can watch the entire series. But uh, yeah, the thir- 13 episodes of Cannibal Women of the Avocado Jungle of Death, uh, <laughs> Puppet Master, oh. Doll Man, Evil Bong, uh, The Ginger Dead Man, uh, Hideous Hobgoblins, Oblivion. Oblivion's <laughs> that crazy space western with Meg Foster, uh, Demonic Toys, uh, The Seed People. Uh, Shrunken Heads, Trancers, and the big finale, one of her favorites, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, and how do I know it's one of her favorites? Well, unless she's just putting it on as a shtick, I found something else interesting. Um, have you guys ever seen What's in My Bag by Amoeba Records on YouTube? It's a YouTube series? No. It's pretty cool. Basically, Amoeba Records is like the, the coolest, biggest, uh, Record and CD and movie shop in Los Angeles, and a lot of famous people go there to, to buy whatever you know music they're looking for. And they do a series called What's in My Bag, and they'll get you know, and usually it'll try to help tie in with a release of something, or you know, this was uh, uh, to tie into Elvira's re reboot of um, um, uh, her television series a few years back, um. And this is, uh, let me see. Let me open the right file. Um, yeah, this is her at Amoeba Records. Basically what they do is they're like, what did you buy? You know, this one seemed a little more staged, but she did have some, uh, some fun stuff in her bag. Again, You know, what's in your shopping bag?
8: I'm
2: here on the set of my fabulous new show, Elvira's Movie Macabre. But before I came over here, I ran right over to Amoeba to get some special movies and DVDs for my show. New Wave Halloween, because I love, you know, the 80s, because the best music was happening in the 80s. That's how I feel anyway, because that was the decade I was born. It's got like Susie and the Banshees, Sonic Youth, the Dead Kennedys, everybody, misfits, hello. A little shameless self-promotion never hurt anybody. Uh, Elvira's monster hits. I own this. That's hits with an H, and it's got me, oh. yours truly, singing. Um, oh, what am I singing? I forgot. Oh yeah, monster rap. <laughs> and here comes the bride, the bride of Frankenstein, which is a duet with myself and Fred Schneider of the B52s. So you know it's good. Here
8: comes the bride. That's I'll a really eat good your song. Skin,
2: which is really an unbelievable movie and when i say unbelievable i really mean unbelievable it doesn't have anything to do with eaten skin first of all sorry to disappoint all you flesh eaters out there one of the zombies looks exactly like dennis rodman i've been wondering what happened to his career well he's in this it's like gilligan's island with uh sacrifices hey those are cute another one of my very favorite movies of all time and i'm not kidding night of the living dead by the very famous of course george a romero wonder what the a stands for i have no idea i mean this started the whole zombie trend
12: they're coming to get you barbara
2: stop it you're ignorant
3: look there comes one of them now
2: he'll hear you
3: here he comes now i'm getting out of here
8: john
2: If it wasn't for this movie, there wouldn't be Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Don't Tell Mom Your Babysitter's Dead, or <laughs> another last one here that I love. And I know, okay, it's not a horror movie, but it is horrifying. Let me tell you, it is teenagers from outer space. <laughs> which is an amazing sci-fi movie for you sci-fi fans out there and it's got this incredible teenager who looks like he's 32. His (laughs) name is Derek. It's one of those, you know, outer space names. And he comes uh, to the uh, earth and uh, helps them fight off the Gorgons, which are actually just uh, giant lobsters, and they make great sounds. Uh, they're like, ah, ah, It sounds just like Pee Wee Herman. It's weird.
8: <laughs> you can pick these
2: all up at Amoeba, you know? Pay for them first. Well, this is Elvira, darling, and wishing you a very happy Halloween and unpleasant dreams. <laughs>
4: Anyway, so that, that one seemed a little bit more staged than a lot of the other ones, but it's a really cool series on YouTube. I recommend it, What's in My Bag. I think Amoeba Records might have gone out of business by now. Uh, I think they were talking about closing down, but you'll you'll find I mean, you'll find uh, rock stars from all eras, people who are no longer with us, movie stars, TV stars, all kinds, you know, and it's cool too because I've actually picked some things up from people that I respect as artists that they're like, Oh, you got to check this album out. And I actually went out and bought stuff, uh, you know, and it turned out to really enjoy it. Um, and, uh, and that's the great thing with the age of the internet. You can try before you buy with a lot of this stuff. Um, but, uh, this is the real heartbreak, Joe, um, with her, uh, again, she was, uh, kind of promoting her comeback with Elvira's movie macabre in 2010. And, <clears throat> Uh this is a sneak peek from EGA starring one Richard Keel. And this is a, a mm. little it's a it's a little excerpt from a comedy bit that she was doing for the episode, uh where she was giving out awards for the for the actors, uh and uh this is how that went. Ladies and
2: Dobermans, it is my great honor to be the one um honoring these achievements in cinema this evening. We have reached deep into the annals of movie history and pulled out something that has truly made an impact. Yo, The nominees are Arch Hall Jr. as Tom.
11: Yeah sometimes a bump starts it off and you gotta hit it again to stop it.
2: Marilyn Manning as Roxy.
9: Well they won't come near a fire I know that much and I'm not gonna have you take a shot at something that turns out to be dead. Or
2: Richard Kyle as Ega. Mm. And the LV goes to Marilyn Manning as Roxy!
12: This is whizzing?
2: Yeah, sister, this whole movie is whizzing all over my night.
6: Richard Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not even close.
4: <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Uh, shame on her producers for giving her uh, a poor uh, pronunciation on that. They should have done a little more Well, she
6: more did research. say she was reaching into the anus.
4: She did. She did. So of movie history. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. That. Well, an E. Guy kind of was a a steamer, so <laughs> <laughs> she might not be far off. Uh, and it not it not because of Richard Keel but uh anyway uh last clip i have and i should have just enough time and then we'll run to the break and and then we will start talking about richard keel uh but this is uh from 2016 with the late uh larry king he did a little segment on his show if you only knew where he did like rapid fire questions at somebody and so this is about two and a half minutes here you go
0: uh if you only knew i just throw some things Uh funniest fan encounter what's the funniest thing ever happened to Elvira with a fan
2: Showing me their Elvira tattoo, and which entailed them pulling their pants down. It was scary.
0: <laughs> At Knott's Berry Farm, what will you do?
2: I do a big dancing, singing show. I do song parodies and tell jokes and dance my little heart out.
0: They get a big crowd there.
2: I, I do, I perform to 3,500 people a night.
0: How many shows do you do?
2: Two shows a night.
0: For a week?
2: Uh, for a month and a half, for six weeks. I started, I started in September. Doing September, it now. 15, yep.
0: Favorite horror movie of all time?
2: I'm gonna go with House on Haunted Hills from the 50s, it starred Vincent Price and it was the movie that as a child got me into liking horror.
0: Favorite villain?
2: Vincent Price, hands down, Uh, he was the best. I
0: I interviewed him twice. wasn't
2: he brilliant and funny?
0: Any favorite contemporary horror movie?
2: Favorite contemporary horror movie, I, I have a harder time with contemporary horror movies because of all the blood and guts and the realism.
0: The, about the zombie television?
2: That, that I love. I'm a giant Walking Dead fan, and there's a lot the of blood and guts television? in that, but somehow, <laughs> maybe the small screen makes it a little more palatable. If
0: Elvira could marry another famous horror character, who would she marry?
2: Well, that would be Vincent Price again. I know he's not around, but I would still marry him.
0: Ever <laughs> trick you, you ever played to scare someone?
2: Yeah, I've done a lot of tricks. Where, well, one night on Halloween night, I opened the door dressed as Elvira, and there was a little gaggle of kids out there. And I think those kids are grown up now, and they're still in shock.
0: Been to haunted houses?
2: Oh, yeah, a million of them. A million of them. I live what, in haunted houses. What
0: do you give out to trick-or-treaters?
2: More than a handful, that's for sure. Ooh! <laughs> Ooh.
8: <Ow. laughs>
0: if not Elvira, what would you be doing, do you think?
2: I think I would be... Uh, You know, I've often thought about this. I always wanted to be in show business, but if I got completely out of show business, I'd think maybe a precision car driver. I love driving. I love... love
0: You're quite a character, Cassandra. you have children?
2: (laughs) I do. I have one daughter, 21 years old. What does she do? She's a musician. She plays guitar. She's great.
0: Stranded on a desert island, what three things does Elvira bring with her?
2: (laughs) Um, Lipstick. Hairspray <laughs> and condoms. <laughs> well, nobody else is there, though.
0: And last but not least, <laughs> your proudest accomplishment—probably
2: being a character well, you that people a, look up to. You
0: have made a character famous. You ought I, to be I very have. proud of that. I, I am. So
4: there you go. Not, not, not proud of her being a mom. <laughs> More proud of Elvira. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, but yeah, that's a quite a quite an accomplishment, though so uh but anyway that's all i i, I gotta i gotta get run into the break right now but there will be a little bit more elvira here for you uh is there ever just a little bit of elvira though i don't think so um no. yeah so <laughs> no 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 and uh yeah so we've got uh you know some uh some richard keel coming up uh very excited about that i don't know if you you caught that earlier joe but oh
8: uh, <laughs>
4: That was Richard Kiel.
6: <laughs> you bastard! <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Right. Now.
8: <laughs>
4: anyway, so yeah, we're gonna go ahead and uh, I've got uh, fo- about four four minutes of uh, Elvira commercials throughout the ages for you for uh, this break. We'll be right back with more it came from cleveland right after this
2: when it goes psycho with me elvira here at the bates motel look for me wherever they sell mug root beer and enter the ghost Psycho with elvira contest you can be my guest at universal studios in hollywood for a monstrous bash at the bates motel shower anyone this halloween go psycho with elvira and win a party with mug root beer and me I love my mug. I love it. Wanna go psycho with me, Elvira, here at the Bates Motel? you will be my guest at Universal Studios in Hollywood for a monstrous bash at the Bates Motel. Shower, anyone? Ah! This Halloween, go psycho with Elvira and win a party with me as Slice. Slice! I just love that name. There's this weird guy on Channel 9 this fall and I guarantee he'll give you nightmares name is freddy something or other but immediately following freddy i'm back now if i'm mistress of the dark and freddy's gonna give you nightmares i would think twice before falling asleep saturday night remember don't miss a nightmare on elm street freddy's nightmare and me elvira saturday's beginning at 10 p.m nowhere else but channel 9
0: elvira's movie macabre tonight at 11.
2: You know what a teaser is, darling? No? Well, let me, Elvira, give you an example. You can win a thousand bucks in the Coors Light Spring Green Sweepstakes when I give you this phone number, dial it. And if you're the fiftieth caller, voila, you win. But I ain't giving it to you just yet. Find out when at this Coors and Coors Light display. And that, darling, is a teaser. I'd give you another one, but I'm not that kind of girl. So, nobody's perfect. Nasty weather got the little monsters uptight. Make it a blockbuster night. The blockbuster has something for everyone. Even the fuzziest little beasts settled down to enjoy Blockbuster. I just love a family night. If the weather's a fright, make it a blockbuster night. Hello, darling. Elvira here. I don't know what you're doing right now, but if you're doing it near a phone, dial 1-800-MEGA-BUCKS, because the 50th caller is going to win a thousand bucks in the Coors Light Spring Green Sweepstakes. Feel lucky? Give me a call. Me, Elvira, mistress of the dark. I mean, here I am stocking up for Halloween. I got my steaks, got my ribs. Then when I ask the stock boy where the Coors Light is stacked, he points me to the Coors and Coors Light Halloween display, and I'm on it! <laughs> Whoa, it's like Deja Vu. Whoa, it's like Deja Vu. <laughs> Look for it where you buy beer. I shop here because they slash prices. <laughs> there goes another one. Happy Halloween, darling. Elvira here, back with a helping hand for Halloween. course Light. It's the official beer of Halloween. And just with an adult party needs to be a howling success. Oh, what? You don't believe me? What do you need, like a sign from above? <laughs>
1: Be sure to visit this display wherever you buy Coors Light.
2: And it's just perfect for when
1: friends drop in.
2: See what I mean? Hi, darling. It's me, Elvira, telling you that without Coors and Poor's Light this Halloween, your friends will get ugly without their masks. So stock up where you see this display. I shop here because they slash prices. Happy Halloween. Well, here, mistress of the dark and sometimes surfer babe, because Coors Light is the official beer of Halloween. And the party's at the beach, Malibu Beach, where you can hang ten. Look, Frankie and Annette. And of course, when it's time to chill, just reach for that cooler of Coors Light. Aged, ice cold, never frozen stiff. It's the right beer now for Halloween. Just look for the Silver bullet Smooth Display and dig up your friends now for a party at the beach. Happy Halloween.
0: It's going to be a good night. We came from Cleveland, Ohio,
1: a land of strange rituals, the savage horrors, of fearsome mutated beasts from the dead, kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power now! At last. The real, shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A audio. nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. foolish, mm-hmm. unto you, something
8: evil. He broke my fucking nose! You bastard!
3: Not recommended for impressionable children.
4: One of, uh, a rare speaking line from Richard Keel from The Longest Yard with Burt Reynolds. That's <laughs> cool. Um, but, uh, he played a
6: character, Samson, in that, Joe. Yes. I remember, I, you know, I forgot he was in that movie. Yeah, so, uh, I just, <laughs> I love that.
4: We, we're gonna keep that forever. You
8: bastard!
4: Yeah. So, and uh, and and of course, the other one.
8: uh... (laughs)
4: Uh, But yeah, welcome back, Michelle. Uh, Hopefully, hey, you got a little bit of uh, new Elvira information. Uh, You get to watch the pilot now for her uh, uh, her would be television series.
5: Yes, yes, that's cool. Um, I actually own the Elvira album. So, it's on my Halloween playlist.
4: Nice. I have a couple... Uh, I have, like, three or four Elvira CDs because she would release them and only put, like, one or two original songs on them and then pad it out with, like, you know, stuff from, you know, The Monster Mash and, you know, Welcome to My Nightmare by Alice Cooper stuff like that. Um, yes. So, uh, so, yeah, I've got... And I, I have right here beside me, actually uh her last single that she did two big pumpkins (laughs) so and it and it's a heat sensitive cover and if you hold your hand over her uh where cleavage would be it is revealed um so uh yeah and i think it's on orange vinyl i don't know or purple vinyl oh that's Uh, cool yeah so let me take a look it is purple vinyl should be orange vinyl since it's two big pumpkins so purple's cool too so anyway, um, yeah, uh, check that out. You can buy this song digitally, too, Two Big Pumpkins. It's it's pretty fun. And uh, the, I don't know if there's a B-side to it or not. Um, oh, 13 Nights uh, of Halloween. And that's a tie-in to the 13 Nights of Halloween I was talking about earlier. Uh, but yeah, so, and of course, Miles, welcome back to you as well. Hello. And joe yeah so here we go for uh you know another uh, uh, an icon uh, a iconic villain uh did a, a little bit of stuff with horror and some other stuff uh richard keel uh is uh is you're gonna be talking about him tonight
6: right richard dawson keel right and uh you know let me start by saying that uh you know, you look at Richard Keel, people are familiar with what he looked like and all the different roles, Jaws and the James Bond movies and everything. And you think, uh, oh, there's a big dumb wolf, right? Yeah. This guy was a mathematician. I'm not He surprised. taught math in school at night when he was trying to make a living, you know, as an actor. Mhm. Besides selling vacuum cleaners, as we'll get into the letterman uh uh interview but uh so so this and, and he was very well and and when you listen to the letterman interview which we're going to play in a moment uh you can tell he's he i mean i mean he's a very articulate man he's a very intelligent man uh he's he had self-deprecating huh he's affable affable yes there's the word and you know he's self-deprecating you know um so if you listen, you know when you listen to the interview, you get a, a feel for what this guy was really like, um, and he was quite a quite a quite a guy, and he was a, a gentle giant. Is, uh, I thought what we would do tonight, uh, you know, usually I go over some of the things, I'll pick some of the more interesting things out of Wikipedia to talk about the celebrity I'm talking about, but with Richard, I have a, a personal contact through Bob. And Bob's dad, Red Weatherwax. Uh, so I thought, you know, we'd play. Um, first of all, the the Letterman interview. That's about four minutes, I think. Uh, uh, Ken? The
4: first I have the first half is four minutes. Yeah, I have uh, four four minutes of the first four minutes at the end.
6: Right. So about eight minutes. And I thought, you know, we know his work. He didn't have a lot of talking roles. Yeah. Speaking roles in these movies. So there's not a lot of clips I can I can play of Richard Keel but I also have you know the I, I have the advantage of knowing stuff that you wouldn't hear in any of mm-hmm. the wikipedia or anything because Bob's stories that he told me and I thought I would read just the excerpt about Richard Keel from his book which won't take long but in it you know it I tell the story that I've told many times about the wagon wheel and the jump the lumberjacks but it's in Bob's own own words yeah, and also, John Provost has a book, "Timmy's uh, in the Well," the name of it, and and he also mentions briefly working because he 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 was in that last season's great adventure with Richard Keel. And his 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 uh, thoughts on Richard Keel as a little boy, a little actor. So um, maybe you want to run the first half of the. Uh, yep. Of the Letterman
3: you got it here we go you may not recognize my next guest by name but some of the characters he has created are film legends he was mr eddie in a film called so fine and he'll go down in movie history as jaws in several 007 films please welcome richard keel
10: This isn't one of Bill's
3: cheers, is he? Uh, no, probably not the $121,000 kind. Is that gonna be all right? Are you all right
10: in there? Yeah, I'm fine, yeah. Okay. I understand you've been fooling around with my wife.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
10: gosh, what a rich sense of humor.
3: <laughs> that's April Fool.
10: Yeah. Uh, As a matter of fact, I'm, uh, I'm one of your biggest
3: fans. Well, that's, uh, that's very nice of you. <laughs> No, no, I, was, I wasn't going to mention this, but you've, you've referred to your uh, size directly or indirectly here a couple of times. Yeah, I, I don't mind. You know, no, okay. do okay. How tall a person are you? I'm 7'2". 7'2? And what do you weigh?
10: That's with my elevator shoes, which I don't have on. Yeah. And what is your weight? Well, I don't talk about that. No, I weigh about
3: 330. Now, really? Now, what kind of... This must be problems for you, like airplanes, hotels, that sort of thing? Do you do you run into, uh, like, a bed? Do you have to get a special bed in a hotel?
10: Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of uh, king-size beds and basketball players, so mm-hmm. it's not too big of a deal. If, you know, if there's a problem, I just sleep in shifts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but aer- airplanes, uh, I tell you, I, I had a real problem flying out here. Uh, they have this new plane. Uh, I won't mention the name, but it it was this uh, AA Airlines. And mm-hmm. uh, which I don't understand because everybody was drinking like mad, you know, yeah, but it uh-huh. was uh, but the uh, the bathrooms you know, the the walls kind of tilt forward, you know, you're what six feet tall, and, you know, it must be a problem for you, you know. Yeah, but for me, uh, you know, I can't even get in, you know. I open yeah. the door and there's a wall,
3: you know. <laughs> <laughs> so so what do you, you would do? Have somebody hold the door open and you stand on the other side of the hallway? Oh. The other side of the aisle a <laughs> uh, no, horrible launching that is! Uh, yeah. Gosh, that's about it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do, do people, uh, after a while, does it get on your nerves when people to talk to you about it or, or make remarks to you when they see it? Because you're a very recognizable person, even if you weren't 7'2". two. Uh, I oh, mean, how's that? Well, because of the, the parts that you've played in films.
10: Oh, I know. You know, you're, you're very, about very distinct, like, uh, no, distinct character. Yeah. In fact, one time uh, there was this guy, and he stood you know, looking at me, uh, staring for about an hour. And that really bugs me, you know, when people stare. Finally, I said to him, I said, uh, what's the matter? Haven't you ever seen a guy with a space between his teeth?
3: (laughs) 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 Oh, gosh. Let's, uh, let's... (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I'll clear this auditorium. Uh, let's talk about some of the the, uh, the parts that you've had in film. You were uh, the the guy with the, the steel. Actually, they were tools for teeth, right? Wasn't that the the character, in, the character of Jaws? They wanted a guy who actually could bite cable with his teeth and stuff like that. Yeah,
10: and as a matter of fact, that was my audition for the film, yeah. which is kind of you know discouraging for an actor. They you know, they say, can you bite a steel cable in half? Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyway, uh it's
4: continued in the other mm-hmm. half of the interview, but I, I still love that. What's the matter? You never seen a guy with a gap between his teeth? And of course. <laughs> yeah. Letterman, uh, you know uh,
6: you know, they, they shared that in common. Yes, they did. <laughs> and his Letterman was, yeah, quite tall himself. Not seven two, but Yeah. I understand, I understand the problem in the, uh, the the restroom on the plane. <laughs> um, so in the second half you're gonna hear Richard Keel refer to the ragdoll. A bar in North Hollywood. And I thought in between here, I I would just read the excerpt on Richard Keel that Bob told in his book because it's in his own, Bob's own words, and Bob really, really liked Richard a lot. Um, So let me just read this. Uh, Richard Keel was a giant, measuring over seven feet tall and weighing 335 pounds. I first met Richard long before he threatened James Bond with that mouthful of maniacal metal teeth. It was 1963, and we were doing a production called Lassie's Great Adventure. My father knew Richard as a bouncer in his favorite bar, the Ragdoll. Interestingly enough, one of the earlier bouncers at the Ragdoll was Clint Walker, who would one day ride tall in the saddle as star of the TV western Cheyenne. Richard uh, Keel was also part a part-time actor. He frequently asked my father, is there anything you can do for me? Lassie's Great Adventure had great Character had a great character, a Native American who could neither hear nor speak. Uh, Dad told Richard he was just the man for that role, and he auditioned and got the part. In one scene of the movie, Richard was riding a horse. He was so huge that his feet could actually touch the ground. The script called for Richard to have a hawk on his shoulder. The hawk was so intimidating that he spooked the horse. The animal started to buck and. Horses tend to do when they're frightened. Richard was so big that he was able to step down and let the horse run out from under him. (laughs) One night, after the day of shooting, several of us found our way to a little bar called the Wagon Wheel. We were on location in a small lumberjack town called Sonora, which boasted two bars. The other was the Sonora Inn, where they were staying. As soon as we entered the wagon wheel, about six lumberjacks came up to us and asked if we were with the Hollywood crew that was in town. We nodded, since it seemed pretty obvious that we weren't local lumberjacks. Acting as though they as tough as they could, these hefty guys told us we had had better leave the bar while we still could. My friend and I opted for discretion rather than valor and went back to the Sonora Inn. The bar there was empty, except for Richard Keel, drinking alone. Richard asked us if there was anything interesting going on in his little one-horse town. We told him we were accosted by lumberjacks (laughs) over at the wagon wheel. (laughs) Where is this bar, Richard asked. (laughs) Bob said, I know you're a big man, but there are five or six of them. I don't think it's a good idea to go there. At this point, Richard was thinking more like a professional bouncer than an actor. And said, I don't care. I'm going over there. We chimed in. If you're going, we may as well go with you. (laughs) So the bar at the wagon wheel wrapped around the room and went all the way down the wall. At the far end from the door, the lumberjacks were playing shuffleboard. We found a place at the bar near the door away from them. Richard sank down behind the bar. It didn't take long for one of the tough guys to notice us. He yelled, I told you guys to get out of here. He had a beer bottle in his hand as if he was going to break it over my head. That was the moment Richard Keel decided to stand up, (laughs) displaying his awesome physical presence. He grabbed the guy by the front of his shirt and actually lifted him in the air. Then the voice of a real giant rumbled through the crowd and roared, See this fist? I can knock your head clean off. (laughs) No, there are a lot of you. See that guy behind you? After I'm done with you, I will knock him right through the woodwork. (laughs) That was a pretty exciting thing to see. Immediately the atmosphere changed and the lumberjacks welcomed us into the bar. They would not allow us to pay for our drinks and all the women wanted to dance with Richard. They were especially (laughs) captivated when he swept them off the ground with their feet dangling in the air. In the 1960s, there was a popular dance called The Limbo, in which the participants were challenged to walk under a pole that was lowered every pass. Surprisingly, that night, Richard, by far the largest person in the room, was the best. Wow. The lumberjacks also were enjoying themselves, shouting, We have Paul Bunyan here! <laughs> they couldn't believe it, and neither could we. The night at the wagon wheel, we left reality behind. And the evening unfolded just like in a Hollywood movie scene, and I think he duplicated that scene dancing with the women in one of the Bond films. Ah, uh, uh, could be. Yeah, and uh, they were shooting this this movie with Richard Keel, this Lassie movie, on Thanksgiving Day of all days. And uh, Bob Bob writes that uh, the next day they had to shoot a scene where the runaway hot, hot air balloon this was about the, the movie and uh, get stuck in a tree and Bob and this other guy were up in the tree in a boon uh, so that they could work the dog uh, and they were shooting on Thanksgiving day. So at noon they, they cut for a break. Everybody went to the caterer. They forgot Bob and his friend up in the boon. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So they had no Thanksgiving dinner that day. By the time somebody realized they were up there, um, <laughs> there was an olive left <laughs> so, so they had quite an adventure with richard keel now if you play the second half you'll hear him of, of the letterman interview you'll hear him talk about the ragdoll and his working there uh but before you do that uh just let me read what uh john provost had to say because he was the little boy in the film he was timmy yeah he said about richard keel he said uh He said, yeah, he remembered Richard. He said uh, he was certainly no Indian, uh, John writes, but he stood seven foot two. And as Rud Weatherwax said, it was easier to make an Indian out of the giant than a giant out of an Indian. Richard got the job. He was huge, like a whole building, but a gentle giant in both body and spirit. He was also the only one happy about working on Thanksgiving. Working holidays meant double pay. When we went into overtime that day, it meant quadruple pay. Oh, wow. the Rathers, yeah, the Rathers who were the producers asked him to settle for regular pay, promising to use him again in another show. But Richard stood his ground. The show was a runaway success. So there you go. Uh, they try to cheat him out of his triple quadruple time. But uh, I guess if he puts up a fuss, you don't press the issue.
5: Oh,
6: no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll so you might want to run the second half of that, that Letterman interview, because uh, he talks about the rag dolly in this one, and working with Clint Eastwood and sitting on a horse. poor horse. All right, here you go. The,
3: these things that they built for you to wear, was it difficult to act with those in there? Were, the, were they painful? Were they uncomfortable? Yeah, they were
10: pretty miserable. Yeah. Uh, it was like having a train in your mouth. It was. Uh... Well,
3: in fact, I think, I think we have a, a picture of them right here, as a
10: matter of fact. Yeah, these things were... Kind of like uh, uppers and lower dentures made out of cobalt steel that went in the roof of your mouth, and you know they were a little rusty, and uh, <laughs> and that that painful expression I have in my face is because I'm they're making me nauseated.
3: Yeah. Good Lord. Uh, and then what is this one? This is, I guess, from a new film with you. Uh... Yeah, I just
10: did a western. Yeah. With Clint Eastwood, called Pale Rider, and I got to ride a horse. Uh, I've always wanted to ride a horse, you know. As you can see I'm I play a leading man.
3: So how did how would uh, do you ride horses a lot? Do you ever ride horses?
10: No, in fact, I you know, I hadn't ridden uh, for years and years uh uh, the first time I rode in the film uh, was a, a film called Rifleman, yeah. a TV show. They had this that great big time horse. you yeah, know, a long Now, time d-
3: time. Does, the horse, does that bother the horse to have well, someone of your in size? in this
10: particular film, they had just a regular horse, and, uh, you know, the 330 pounds, uh, you know, I'm not real, not real big in the seat, you know, so it was like all in one spot. And then my legs kind of dangled down in the, you know, all the wrong places you know, for the horse. It was <laughs>
3: uh, like a horse with yeah, six legs. And, and
8: is so, <laughs>
10: then, he, and he, and then he saw that gap between my teeth. Oh, uh. stop it. Now, uh, well, Anyway, let's... the horse got really, uh, after about an hour of sitting on, uh, you know, the movies you yeah. shoot over and over and over again, you know, I, I guess he got kind of a, a pain in his back because he started, uh, complaining, you know, and, uh, you know. and uh, so in the show, I get off the horse, I had a confrontation with Clint, uh-huh. and, uh, And I go back to get on the horse. And when I went back to get on the horse, the horse started backing away.
3: (laughs) That's it. it. I'm done. Uh, We got to do a commercial, Richard. We'll be right back. (laughs) What was? uh, What did? What did you do before you became an actor?
10: Well, I wasn't doing too well. Actually, I was an uh, Elvis impersonator. <laughs> you know, I, I did all kinds of things. I, uh, I sold vacuum cleaners and... Uh, and uh, door-to-door kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah door-to-door. But I folks saw... were happy to see you on the porch. Uh, <laughs> used to knock on
3: the roof, yeah. Knock on the roof, yeah. yes. And,
10: uh, before that, I was a bouncer in uh, some of the uh, famous country and western gin mills. In, uh, in the what, where was this? Uh, well, one was called the Rag Doll. Where about? Led, what part of the country? Uh, North Hollywood.
3: Oh, I see. Yeah.
10: And uh, actually, that's where I learned how to be an actor. Yeah. You know, to get these crazy guys. You know, they get too much to drink, and uh, they get bigger and bigger. You know, about one o'clock in the morning, they say, "Hey, guys, it's so big." You know. And so they come up to me, and I, I f- figured rather than argue with them, I just kind of be real friendly, and I go. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, and then sobered
10: uh, sober, to, sober to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they got real sober. And, yeah. uh, the
3: the movie with Clint Eastwood is called Pale Riders.
10: Yeah, Pale Rider.
3: Yeah. And be out in June.
10: Yeah, yeah, I think what school's at.
3: Did you enjoy that? Turn out to be a nice film, you think?
10: Oh yeah, I think it's it's going to be uh, exciting. It's uh, kind of like uh, uh, Shane and in with Dirty Harry. You know, so, oh, good.
3: It's yeah. a good combination. Yeah. I guess. yeah. Uh, nice meeting you, Richard. Thank you very much for being yeah, it's here. It's a real pleasure. We uh, one more commercial and then we'll be right back.
4: There you go. In his own words, the ragdoll. doll.
6: That, yeah, that was that was it. And uh, like I said, Clint, uh, Clint Walker. Uh, if you remember that, I don't know you. You would that Cheyenne. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he was a bouncer. He was a bouncer there too, and. It, when Clint Walker's birthday comes up I'll I have a story about Clint Walker and breaking cool. Bob's father's ribs but anyway um, oh my
11: <laughs> yeah so that, that yeah
6: that was uh, that was uh, that was uh, Richard Keel and you know Bob told me the other day he said you know there are two types of people in, in Hollywood there's the, the the guys that always play bad guy bad good guys that are really bad guys in real life everybody yeah. hates them on the set. And then there's guys that always play monsters and bad guys that are the nicest guys. You know, like Michelle, like Vincent Price. Right, uh, yes. Y- yeah, and and he said, and Richard Q was one of the latter. He was one of the gentlest, nicest people. And one of the most intelligent people you ever mm-hmm. want to meet uh, on a movie set. You know, and uh, he really liked Richard. And he really enjoyed his day at the Wagon with-
4: <laughs> I bet he did. Yes, he did. I bet he did. Yeah.
6: But, yeah. All he well, he really did. Well, thanks
4: for that, Joe. A little, uh, little further exploration into that story from uh, Bob and his friendship with uh, Richard Keel. That's always exciting. And, um, yeah, some great interview stuff there. Also, bit of trivia that I learned from the Australian interview that we didn't get to play was that the cable in uh, that he had to chew through in the first Bond movie where he played Jaws, was made out of bl- licorice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said he liked it, too. And he so liked that licorice. Wasn't, yeah. That wasn't too bad. Probably better than the taste of that, you know, rusty metallic shit. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the guy that fitted him with that, you know what he called him, right?
8: You bastard!
4: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I we'll be... Somebody. We'll be right back. Uh, Yeah, I think
8: I killed somebody. I know I killed somebody. (laughs) All
4: right, we'll be right back. Mythical moment number twenty from Adam coming up
13: for radio for humans, and it came from Cleveland. This is Adam Hebert with Mythical Moment Twenty A. Susan O. Storm and Fury. For the 20th mythical moment, I wanted to do something special, and that is sharing one of my favorite myths, and the first myth that I shared on Myth Information, that being the myth of Suzano and his quest for redemption. Our story begins on the Heavenly Plain, also known as Takamagahara. Since the abdication of their father, Izanagi, and the death of their mother, Izanami, the three divine siblings, Amaterasu the Sun Goddess, Sukiyomi, the moon god, and Suzano, the storm and sea god, had shared power and ruined the world, although Amaterasu was the final authority as the eldest. Susanoo, however, felt that he should be in charge. When his attempts to persuade his father to give him control were rebuffed, Suzano raged throughout Takamagahara. He destroyed Amaterasu's rice patties and frightened some of her servants to death by throwing the flayed carcass of a horse into her weaving hall. He even had the nerve leave the toilet seat up. In the end, he terrorized Amaterasu so much that she fled Takamagahara, and took refuge in a cave, blocking it with a large boulder that she had enchanted so that it could not be moved by anyone but her. This in turn deprived the world of her light, and in the absence of that light, demons, spirits, and other evil beings roamed the world freely. The other gods convened an emergency meeting outside of the cave. The situation as it stood was intolerable, but no one could move the boulder in front of the cave. They debated about what to do, with each of the gods offering a potential solution. Finally, Ameno Uzume, the goddess of mirth and revelry, stepped forward and offered her solution. Following her plan, the gods put up a large bronze mirror in front of the cave, and then strung a string of magatama, or curved jade beads, in a tree. Then came the real fun. Amano Uzume stepped forward and began to dance as she stripped off her clothes. The other gods cheered and hooted, raising a ruckus as Amano Uzume was soon dancing naked in the light of Sukiyon. Meanwhile, Amaterasu sat in the cave, wondering what was going on outside to cause so much noise. Soon, she began to think that whatever was going on even sounded… fun. As time passed, the laughter and howling grew louder and more raucous. Amaterasa's curiosity soon overwhelmed her. She moved the boulder and peeked out, seeing her reflection in the mirror as well as the beautiful string of jewels. Startled by her own radiant beauty and the beauty of the Magatama, she remained outside and still long enough for all the gods to pile on her and pin her down. Hachiman, the god of war, forced the boulder back in front of the cave now that the enchantment had been lifted, and Amaterasu was effectively caught. Light had returned to the world, and the dark beings retreated to their foul realms. The gods explained why it was important for Amaterasu to return to Takamagahara, as Amano Uzume dressed herself. Amaterasu agreed to return, but there was the matter of her insolent youngest brother, Suzano. The other gods agreed, and the group returned to the heavenly Plain, just as Suzano was putting up the new curtains in his new throne room. Suzano attempted to escape, but was caught and brought before his sister for judgment. As punishment, Suzano was sentenced to be stripped of his godly power and exiled to the mortal plane, until such time as Hamaterasu deemed him reformed and to have learned his lesson. And so that is what happened, with Suzano left in Izumi, in what is now known as Shimani Prefecture. Next time on Mythical Moment, Suzano gets his opportunity for redemption by battling the dreaded serpent Yamato no Orochi. For radio for humans, and it came from Cleveland. This is Adam here reminding you that if you find yourself without light, all you need to do is do a little dance, make a little love, and get down tonight. Back to you, Kenny. Music is Medieval Fantasy Adventure by Alexander Nakarada, who can be found at www.serpentsoundstudios.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Thanks, Alexander.
12: I think I'll have me a little drinky-winky
4: it's that time it's Friday it's 5 o'clock somewhere welcome back to the show thank you again Adam uh, good job for your landmark 20th episode uh, of course there were a couple hitches along the the road we've got 22 episodes and we didn't play a new mythical moment on two of our episodes uh, but anyway welcome back That's neither here nor there thank you again Joe for the uh, the touching uh, Richard Keel story
6: not Richard Kyle, yes. as Elvira said. <laughs> not Richard Kyle, no. <laughs> I would be in remiss to, to not to point out that also Richard Kyle was in the Human Duplicators. You do know that. Oh, I did not know that. He was the and he was the uh, the invader. Oh, okay, cool, cool.
4: Yes, very nice. and of course Michelle, very much looking forward to doing deep dive into some Roddy McDowell goodness later.
5: Oh yeah, I am too. He's 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 a fun one.
4: Oh yeah, oh yeah, and uh, and he has
5: a Lassie connection too. So there you go.
4: He was <laughs> Lassie's first boy. Oh, that's yep. right, that's right. Yep. Oh my god, 1943. Full circle. Full circle. Uh, and last but not least, uh, Miles, uh, you are here to uh, share a story about something that could have been named by mm, who? Let me see. Uh, could it be safe? Second time I used that drop tonight. There you go.
7: It it, it very likely could have been. Um, but no, it was uh, yeah, it was just a misfortune of a number that, you know, because uh, yeah, the military it just stamps numbers on everything and just you know, it doesn't care. They're not superstitious. So, no, they're not superstitious. Actually, some members are, but yeah. well, you know, that's 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 neither here nor there. But uh, yeah, yes, so World War II. There is a bomber that had a tail number of 41-2666. and this bomber was named Old Hattie, and it was considered to be an unlucky bomber, uh, primarily due to the number, which, yeah, that's not the plane's fault, but it's just that's just the way it is. you know some people get superstitious about such things. So. Before I can get more into the bomber, I have to talk about the crew that made the bomber special. And that involves uh, a guy named Zemer. So Zemer was a co-pilot, um, I believe in the European theater, and in on a mission uh, where the pilot was incapacitated... He took over flying duties and completed the mission and earned a silver star for that and was promoted to captain, which means he now has frontline flying duty. He can, you know, get his own plane, but he didn't have one. So he, uh, he got shifted over, I think, to the Pacific Theater. Yes, this is definitely in the Pacific Theater where this is happening. And uh, he runs into a guy that he's flown with before, and uh, the guy agrees to be his bombardier. Um, so they go on some missions, and in the course of uh, their, uh, you know, as, as time goes by, they get a number of people to fly with them on missions that are you know, um, a little more daring, I guess you might say, than normal or what have you. And more than one individual that they get to go with them refuses to fly with them again because of a, let's just say, a healthy reputation of um, lack of military discipline uh, and rowdiness. It was, uh, so yeah, the, the, the Captain Zimmer and his uh, bombardier had a personality that apparently was not um, conducive to, uh, uh, the uh, the military, um, which you know that that that's it, some people find that endearing, but you know uh, I mean like I think I've, you, everyone's heard of like the Black Sheep Squadron or something like that, or you know you got you mm-hmm. got s- famous groups that are that are like that at least that are f- made familiar uh, famous by the uh, televisions. So. What happens is um, Zemer and his bombardier go on some missions and they eventually find a group of men that are willing to serve with them uh, regularly. So he's now got his core guys that fly with him. And they become known as a group as the eager beavers because they will take (laughs) any mission. Uh, yeah that's just you know I mean I I don't need to explain in the military how uh, nicknames come about because yeah that's that's really all I have time to do is just to give each other names about shit it's so a
4: damn good nickname damn
7: yeah good. well it, I mean I kind of apropos too I mean when you're dealing with missions that nobody else will take and this grew. This crew just steps up and goes, "Yeah, we'll do it." And everyone, someone just, "Wow, you guys are some real eager beavers!" And apparently, it's stuck, or, or somewhat, uh, or something, to that effect. So um, they are stationed in Port Moresby, uh, New Guinea, which is just off of Australia. And during World War II, the Japanese Empire had spread pretty far. Down into the, it, they hadn't taken, uh, they hadn't attacked uh, Australia, but they were taking Pacific Islands all up and down um, the uh, Philippines and, and uh, all the chain islands and what have you. So the war's going on pretty, pretty severely. Uh, and out of Port Moresby, th- this is where um, Zemer finds. Old Hattie, and Old Hattie is in a plane graveyard, and the plane graveyard is where planes are sent that when they're too damaged to be, you know, repaired, which wasn't Mm -hmm. technically the case for Old Hattie. It's just that, as I said before, the bomber was considered unlucky, so nobody wanted her. So Zemer sees this plane and goes, "Hey, I can make this work," and he and his crew get to work on her. And the B seventeen bomber typically is armed with ten machine guns, uh, the thirty caliber Brownings. there will you'll have a uh, bottom turret, upper turret, uh, left gun, um, uh, left, right, forward, and and, and aft. Yeah. And so this, this, that—that's what totals it up. The, in I the sand, did find,
4: I did find a, a picture uh, or a gif of one that I put in the, uh, uh cool. in the chat, and it, wasn't that featured in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark?
7: You mean when the 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 German technician got his head chopped off by getting thrown into the propeller? Yeah. No, that's a German base. That would be oh, like an American. Oh, okay,
4: bomber. okay. Sorry, never mind. Slightly similar design.
7: Uh, I don't know the bomber that was used in the, the German bomber. I but, think that uh,
4: that bomber also, a little bit of inspiration, was drawn by George Lucas uh, for the Millennium Falcon for the way the guns and the cockpit and things like that were set up. Oh!
7: You know, yeah, that's... Um... That's or the, de- uh, or maybe, maybe not,
4: maybe not Lucas, but the the designers of the Falcon.
7: Um, uh, yeah, uh, it, it it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the way uh, you know uh, military movies were an inspiration for mm. the star wars movies in many ways it would not surprise me that, that you know the dog like fighting that, you
4: know that lower gun uh, you know and, and the in and the, the the front right gun. the turrets yeah yeah, yeah. Th- those turrets and uh and of course the uh that um well uh, the the little glass, you know, uh gunner uh thing in the front of the the plane. That's very similar to what Luke was sitting in in the in a new hope. Sure, sure. Right. So, so this crew,
7: this air crew is is uh modifying the bomber. So, they um they up the number of guns. So, uh, sticking out of the left, right, rear and stuff like that are single barrel 30 caliber Browning machine guns and they pull those out toss them out and replace them with twin 50 calibers ooh yeah now <laughs> i know i know it's been said before on this show that size does not matter but when it comes to gun barrel
8: uh, yeah, yeah.
7: It,
4: uh, that that's a different kind of
7: <laughs> qualifier it matters the amount of damage that a 50 cal can do is crazy good yeah. uh so they up the single single 30 cal to twin 50 calibers left right forward they even mounted 50 cals for the pilot to fire wow so it went from a 10-gun, 30-caliber bomber to a 19-gun, 50-caliber bomber. And it wow. was, at the time, the most heavily uh, weaponized bomber in the war.
4: Well, so, uh, that, I, I can the, the number 666 is becoming uh, more and more appropriate because that is raining hellfire.
7: Right, so they get rid of the old Hattie meme and they just go old. They stamp on old six 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 on the side. Damn. So um, they go on a number of uh, daring missions uh, with with this plane, and uh, you know succeed at them, and they, they earn the, the the crew earn silver stars and and two flying crosses. Now, what really set this plane apart was there was a Um, invasion planned for Bougainville Island, which is near Port Moresby. It's within flying range of it. It's held by the Japanese forces. And they wanted a B-17 bomber equipped with cameras to go and do a 22-minute level flight over enemy territory to take pictures of the island so that the Invasion planners could, you know, pick out targets of opportunity, you know, things that were important. Yeah. When you're, when you're doing a, a, a planned invasion, nobody would take the mission because of the danger involved. What? And so cue <laughs> up the eager beavers. They're like, yep, we'll go do it. Now there was an e- even another mission called Boku, uh, and that's a smaller Island and that's where an airfield was. And that mission, uh, Captain Zemer declined. Even he thought it was too dangerous. Wow! So the the crew takes off on in, in old six 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 and heads for Bougainville Island. And the problem is they arrive um, too early for their infrared cameras to be able to make out any, anything, the filters, the infrared filters on their cameras. And so the captain Zemer, he, he he communicates with his crew and he tells him, says, all right, we can stay up here for 20, whatever minutes until the sun gets a little higher. You know, we can just circle, but there was, you know, chatter in the, uh, uh, Japanese radio, you know, and that's not never a good sign. Or, there's this alternate mission up on Buku Island. uh, And, you know, what do y'all think of that? And so, the crew unanimously backed the captain. They're like, wherever you go, we're going. And he's like, "All right." So, he turned north to this mission that even he considered was too dangerous.
4: Yeah.
7: So, he goes, he plots a course, he gets up to this area, and, and they start taking pictures. Uh... And they are beset upon by uh, a dozen or about ten zeros. They, they say that they were attacked by about two dozen, but the Japanese um, records after the war that were analyzed showed that there weren't that many or you know, what have you, but maybe there were some taken off or other types of planes. Who knows? But anyway, so five uh, zeros. I'm swooping in from below the aircraft. Uh, the, now, quick, the quick
4: question. Japanese yeah, yeah. Japanese Zeros, that's uh, that, is, that is, uh, is that's an American term for what kind of uh, Japanese plane? It
7: is their Interceptor
4: fighter. Um, it's
7: fast. It has metal gasoline tanks, which means if you hit them, they blow up, unlike the American self-sealing rubber gasoline tanks. Um but I don't... I, it was like an AM5. I could look it up.
4: No, that's okay. Yes. I, just, z- yeah.
7: Zero is what uh, the American forces designated as the... Uh, right, like one of the torpedo bombers was named mm-hmm. like a
4: Kate or some such thing. No, that's cool. Oh. It's just, you know, uh, uh, just straightening out that that's an American term. That's all.
7: It is. It is the American term, yes. So the the Zero is the Japanese fighter interceptor. Um so, anyway, they the these ten uh, zeros come in. Five of them attack from below, two from the rear, and three attack from the front. Because from the Japanese perspective, they understand that B seventeen bombers are not that heavily armed. Oh,
4: <laughs> what a mistake to make! Of.
7: <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> So the first plane to come in gets shot down, gets damaged to the point where it's got to turn and leave. And then Zemer shoots one down with his with his pilot guns. Oof. Uh it, I think they shoot down 3 of them and they, now these Japanese are understanding like, "Oh shit. <laughs> these this bombers kicking our ass."
4: Yeah, they're, um, they're, they're wondering who the captain is. Could it be safe?
7: <laughs> so but the the zeros don't give up. So they're harassing the bomber and uh the bombardier gets hit. He goes back to his station. He shoots down another uh, another plane. And now I get down to my last sheet of notes. And, um so um the, the the zeros swerve back around and they strafe the, the front of the plane again and they hit the cockpit and they take out the oxygen tanks that oh, wow. the crew needs to be able to breathe with at high altitude. Oh yeah. So that being a uh, a, a crisis because you don't want to pass out. You Ziemer immediately dives the plane down to six thousand feet so that his crew can breathe. Oh my god. Right and um, so the. Um, now, this, this is, a, I mean, he's just trying to get away at this point, you know, heading back to front of the turret. Sure. And, you know, the Zeros are, are, are you know, still on him. But uh, Zemer was hit uh, in the fight. So the Zeros are forming up for another frontal attack. You know, they're, they're staying out of range, but then they form up. And Zemer has a specific move he does where he banks the plane in uh, inside their firing arc.
8: Mm-hmm.
7: And he succeeds in this maneuver, and it allow it. It causes the planes to miss him, and they go flying by. And now his rear gunners can open up on the planes. There's no information about it anymore that they uh, they shoot down or not, wow. but uh, it is a successful um, evasion of the enemy's guns. And uh, Zemer does not give up his position, and he passes out. Um, six of the, um, nine crew were casualties. Um, I don't mean dead, not everybody dies, but, uh, there are three remaining uninjured crewmen, and they are the ones that get that bomber to limp home (laughs) and land it. And so, um, right. Yeah. The last three. So now Zemer was taken to the hospital, and the doctors estimate that he had lost half of his blood.
4: Oh my uh, God!
7: Yeah, he is at death's door, but he survives, and it, t- it takes him several months to heal, but he d- he does not die. And uh, so, two weeks after this mission, the invasion happens, and it's a success, and the planners for the invasion uh credit the intelligence gathered by the bomber crew for helping them plan out you know it was invaluable information that they they got and so uh zemer and the um co-pilot earned the medal of honor for this mission and all seven other uh crewmen got distinguished service crosses
4: I should and say this, so.
7: Right. And so this crew is the most highly decorated American service crew in the history of the United States. Wow. wow. For for what they did. Um I say American service because there was no air force at the time. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was army.
4: What year what did the air force what air force come into existence?
7: Oh. I can look it up, but I don't
4: know. Nah, don't worry uh, about it. Don't worry about it. You're, you're on a roll. So, and you only got a few minutes left.
7: Right. Well, that's actually the end of the story. Um, of, uh, that I have, uh, for planned notes, but, um, yeah, that's, so, um, I'll talk about what I want to, uh, what I'm going to talk about at the first week in October. This is a, a lead in. I, I'll find other things to talk about later in the month, but the first week in October is, uh, is an anniversary for the 442nd Division.
4: 1947 and, was when the Air Force came into existence. So there
7: you go. Oh, okay, yeah, that that makes sense. It would be it would be recent because of the uh, advances in in plane technology and mm-hmm. uh, um, probably the uh, Air Force and Navy were too much bickering at each other over funds. And they yeah. said, "Screw it! We'll just make our own division." <laughs> uh, and it,
4: it also could be too that they saw the 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 need for superior air power, and they're like, "Well, maybe we need to designate a new branch of the military just for this." Well, and, yes, and or, also or,
7: remember or the the Red Scare, you know, the Cold yeah. War, mm-hmm. and the Russians were getting nuclear weapons, and they were getting bombers, and they were, you know, so yeah, there was this this huge military industrial. Complex buildup that uh, we were warned about, and we're still stuck with it. Um, right. So, uh, st- first part of October, I'm going to be talking about the 442nd uh, Division, and that is one of the most highly decorated divisions in American uh, the, uh, during World War II. And what's significant about them is what they were comprised of, and it is a bit spoilery. But uh, America, and I know this is a shock, took some Japanese citizens and put them in internment camps. Yeah. Much to the shame of our country.
8: Mm-hmm.
7: And um, a lot of young Japanese men, American citizens, volunteered for the army. And the army's like, well, what the hell are we going to do with them? And they put them in their own division, 442nd. And that's the story I'm going to tell in the start of October. Okay.
4: Oh, and Miles, uh, check it out. Uh, uh, Michelle and Adam are out there sussing it out. Tomorrow is the 74th anniversary of the Air Force. Oh, very nice. So, good job, Michelle and Adam. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, yeah. So, look at that. So, there, there's another, uh, we'll put that on our birthday uh, list. <laughs> so nothing can stop the u.s air force there we
7: september go. 18th why is that date so significant uh, never mind
4: <laughs> but yeah so that's tomorrow happy happy birthday air force uh and uh but yeah so thank you that was fascinating uh thank you and thanks for uh uh letting me uh jump in with a few of my uh oh, yeah. questions there appreciate it so uh, but yeah, um, I guess we're gonna run because we have a lot of stuff coming up for Michelle's Roddy McDowell segment. And, uh, but no, that was really cool, Miles. And it, and it allowed me to play this multiple times. Could it be Satan? So, there you go. Much appreciated. Okay.
5: And Satan will be making an appearance during my segment, too. Yay!
4: Or maybe I should say... <laughs> and I got a special uh, uh, clip for the uh, hour three intro for you, Michelle, too. It'll be a lot of fun. Oh, okay. cool. So, all right, more Elvira trailers coming up right now, everybody. We'll be right back with the final hour. All Michelle and Ronnie McDowell coming up right after this.
2: Friday the 13th, those designing women are getting lucky in Vegas. (laughs) And Anthony's getting lucky, too. (laughs) Then, who stole the last page of Bob's new comic book? (laughs) It's Bob like I've never seen him before. (laughs) It'd be bad luck to miss it. that silly zombie flesh eating is for
12: worms don't have to hit me
2: i know how tempting a good piece of meat can be but trust me dead things should be buried not eaten yeah could you get dinner tonight i ran into a little glitch it's never too late to go vegetarian Hello, darling. Mistress of the Dark here. The Los Angeles Haunted Hayride is back with the most nightmare-inducing year yet. The Hayride will thrash you, the dark maze will separate the horror fans from the impostors, and Purgatory will send you home for a new pair of pants. Of course, there'll be a special night hosted by little old me, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Get your exclusive $5 discount when you buy a sun-kissed beverage. See you at the Hayride. Come on in. The more, the scarier. Hello, darling, it's me, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and I'm here to tell you about my virtual pinball arcades, Scared Stiff and Elvira and the Party Monsters by Farsight Studios. They recreated these tables down to the smallest, tiniest details. Of course, my details are not so small. You know, I'm not sure how they actually feel, my like details in there, but, oh uh, well, technology, I guess. <laughs> well, anyway, so if you've got the balls, you know the place to play. And listen to ah! Go to Elvira.com, darling, to get my brand new coffin table book from Tweeterhead, celebrating my 35 years in showbiz. 35 years? Well, guess you can't kill what's already dead.
1: A message from Elvira down under.
2: Crikey. So this is what the sun feels like. Oh, good eye, mates. Elvira here. <laughs> Wait till you have a squiz at what I'm bringing back from Oz for Halloween. It's a bonzer marathon of Who Dares Wins, the Aussie game show of death stunts, heart-pounding dangers, and ridiculous accents.
1: Absolutely awesome. Game Show Network scares and dares with Elvira. An entire night of Who Dares Wins, Sunday, October 28th at 8 Eastern.
2: It'll be a rip-snotter. Whoa, now that's scary. Hello, darlings, it's me, that sassy lassie who ain't all that classy, Elvira, mistress of the dark. Join me November 5th and 6th for Kamikaze Expo at the LA Convention Center. It's a weekend of horror, comics, anime, sci-fi, fantasy, gaming, pop culture, and all things macabre. That's right, ladies and dobermans, Kamikaze Expo is serving up your favorite creatures, And features in a weekend of all things geek, freak, and super chic. You'll get to meet the wacky creators and artists behind all your favorites. From B-movie bimbos and scream queens, to comic book artists, gaming freaks, anime artists, and of course, your most beloved ghoul next door. There'll be a dream list of actors, monsters, she-demons and filmmakers for you little Neville to Cat. And you can join me for some fiendish fun with the creators from practically all the crappy, I mean, uh, classic movies I ever hosted. Good thing my cups runneth over because Kamikaze is just bustin' with gaming tournaments, contests, film screenings and panels and so much more. For more info, visit KamikazeExpo.com or find us on Facebook. See a Kamikaze Expo on November 5th and 6th at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Unpleasant dream. Hello, little monsters. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark here, bringing a little bite back into your breakfast with this. Funko's Elvira. Funko's <coughs> mm-hmm. Elvira cereal. She'll scare up some fun for any meal, day or night. And how's this for a kicker? In every box you get a mini-pop of me, for free! You know, crunching these sugar-yos sure takes me back to when I was a little ghoul.
9: And it tastes great too!
10: Funko's, the tasty new treat featuring a cast of characters, including Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, yummy cereal, games on the box, a free toy inside, nutrition facts, but wait, there's more. Bowls
1: and spoons too. What? Elvira Funko's available exclusively at Hot Topic.
2: Collect them all. Ah, oh, so cute. It's
0: going to be a good night. It came from Cleveland, Ohio.
1: Strange Rituals The Savage Horrors of Fearsome Mutated Beasts from the Dead Kept Alive by Experimental Science Science Runs Amok When Human Beings Tamper with Unknown Forces Cut the Power Now At Last the real shocking story can be told we are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. a nightmare combination of shock and terror and you're invited to foolish unto you something evil
12: we shall found our own armies our own religion our own dynasty and that day is upon you
3: not recommended for impressionable children
4: A little too long to fit in that seven-second spot, but I had to do it. Loved hey, it, it works great. Oh my god, Conquest of Planet of the Apes. Uh, Roddy McDowell took on the role of uh, Cornelius' son, Caesar. Ugh, magnificent. Uh, anyway, welcome back to the show. Thank you again, Miles, for the... Uh, Wow, that was a hell of a story, man. That was a hell of a story. That was, uh, I got to say, you kind of outdid yourself on this one. That was pretty powerful stuff.
7: Very good. Thank you. Thank you.
4: And uh, Joe, of course, uh, also outstanding job tonight, uh, putting a lot more depth into that uh, classic Richard Keel story that uh, uh, you've shared with us in the past. Uh, Appreciate you uh, putting it in Bob's own words tonight, too. And uh, say, say hi to Bob the next time you see him. I will see him very soon. All right, very very soon. And Michelle. All right. We are loaded for bear for Roddy McDowell tonight. And uh, I am at your uh, back-end call for uh, what audio clips we need to play tonight.
5: Okay. Um, just real quickly before I start. Um, sure, join sure. Adam Hebert Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern for another Eldritch edition of Dead Time Stories. This That's week's right. ghastly offering is the tale of Earless Hoichi from La... Uh, Lafcadio's Hearn's collection of Japanese ghost stories, Kaidan. They are very fun. It's a really cool story too.
8: So
4: very good. And yeah, thank you, Adam, uh, for for that Dread Time stories, and of course, uh, great show art too. I wonder who'd made that. <laughs> I
8: don't know.
4: I, I don't know, but whoever it is is a genius. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, you know, some extremely peop- talented. Some <laughs> people say genius. Other people say you bastard. Yeah, so
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I killed somebody.
8: <laughs> but yeah, I so. think I killed somebody. I know
4: I killed somebody. All right, go ahead, Michelle. Sorry.
5: We're about to have uh, some fun with a film legend. Um, he was born Roderick Andrew Anthony Jude McDowell. Wow. In 1928, on uh, September 17th, in Hearn Hill, London. Um. He, uh, uh, he he um, was enrolled in like uh, uh, elocution courses at the age of five. And by 10, he appeared in his first film in 1938. Um, his mother brought him and his sister to the U.S. at the beginning of World War II. And that's where his American um, a mo- a movie career started. Um, mm-hmm. So he was playing... You know, he he's been he's been he was acting forever, and he's one of those successful child actor actors that actually becomes a good adult actor. And yeah, um, he's kind of like yeah. the
4: British counterpart to, uh, although you know, Americanized obviously, uh, kind of a, a British-born counterpart to somebody like uh, Dean Stockwell,
5: right? And um, he had you know other childhood roles in, in films like My Friend Flicka um, and Lassie Come Home. Um, Until at 18, he moved to New York where he started a really successful stage career. And then he became a U.S. citizen in 1949. And um, he made many more movies at that point, over 150 movies.
4: Hot damn.
5: And he's also acted in television. He developed an extensive collection of movies and Hollywood memorabilia. And he published five acclaimed books of his own photography. Nice. Um, Another thing he's known for, were he had some wonderful home movies that have been archived uh, of his um, when he was um, in *Planet of the Apes*, and those are really great to watch. Sometimes you should check them out. Um, Unfortunately, he died at his Los Angeles home at the age of seventy due to pancreatic cancer. Yeah. So, um, and that was October third of nineteen ninety-eight, but. He's, he's a face that is very familiar. He has a wonderful range of acting. But the first trailer I wanted to play for you is everybody's, when you think Rodney McDowell, you think of this, um, Planet of the 68.
1: discover Planet of the Apes, a civilization where humans run
0: wild in the jungles, and the superior beings are apes.
1: In my custody for final disposition. Do you realize what that means? No. Emasculation to begin with, then experimental Ouch. surgery on the speech centers, on the brain, and a kind of living death.
8: <laughs>
5: Yeah, and uh, it has some really memorable scenes of it. Everybody remembers, you know, you you know, the damn dirty apes quote, and you know, the the Statue of Liberty at the end of it, and you know, you blew it up, you all, you know. But um, yeah, yeah. One (laughs) of my one of my favorite um, uh, scenes is when um, Cornelius is reading the 29th scroll and the sixth verse, and watching Charlton Heston's face as he realizes that the apes are talking about how horrific humans actually are.
4: Yes. And I actually was able to find a higher
1: quality uh, audio version of this for you too.
5: Okay, cool. Thank you.
1: So here you go. What I know of man was written long ago, set down by the greatest ape of all, our lawgiver, Cornelius, come here. Reach into my pocket. Read to him the 29th scroll. Is
12: that a banana in your pocket? No. Beware the beast man, for he is the devil's pawn. Alone among God's primates, he kills for sport, or lust, or greed. Yea, he will murder his brother to possess his brother's land. Let him not breed in great numbers, for he will make a desert of his home, and yours. Shun him. Drive him back into his jungle lair. For he is the harbinger of death. Nice.
5: Yeah, that's a. It is. It is um, a pretty amazing speech. Um, I know. I. Um, I know. I put. Uh, 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 the Legend of Hell House is number three, but I want to skip to number four and then go back to number three. Sure. Because um, in 1974, <laughs> Rodney was on the Carol Burnett show in his makeup, and the interaction is absolutely amazing.
4: Oh, and quick one-off, speaking of the Carol Burnett show, last night they they played the, one of the Vincent Price episodes.
5: Uh, oh, very uh, on, cool. And I don't, TV. yeah. And I, I'm not sure if Carol knew he was going to be in makeup or not, but it was funny.
4: I know, I listened to some of this and it's pretty pretty great, but here we go, uh, the Carol Burnett Show.
11: so instead of
5: talking about him, I'd love to bring him
11: out here, one of Hollywood's nicest gentlemen and one of Hollywood's most familiar faces, Roddy McDowell. <clears throat>
12: Hello, Roddy. Hello, Carol. Well, uh, How have you been? Well, I've been just fine. You know, you're looking wonderful, Carol.
11: Oh, thank you. I... Well, so are you, Roddy.
12: Well, I should. I just spent the weekend in Palm Springs. I was working on my tan.
8: Well, I
11: think you succeeded. Uh, Roddy, you've done so many wonderful films I was just curious, and I'm sure the audience is too uh, Is there any one particular film that has influenced your life in any way?
12: There most certainly is, Carol There is one movie I made that had a profound influence on my life, and if you don't mind, right now I'd like to do a scene from that movie
11: Oh, (laughs) Oh, thank goodness That's that's what I was hoping for (laughs) Okay, okay, go right ahead, Roddy McDowell
12: Oh, great and beautiful Cleopatra, the Roman legions are advancing. <laughs> they will soon overthrow thy throne. There is only one escape. Quickly, hide behind the pyramids.
11: Roddy, uh, I... that's a scene from Cleopatra.
12: Well, yes, Carol. That is my favorite film.
11: And that's the one that's had the greatest influence on you? Well,
12: yes, Carol. That... Carol, look, <clears throat> why are you staring at me like this? I mean, it, you know, it really is terribly embarrassing.
11: Oh, I'm sorry. It, it is rude of me. I was... Roddy, um, would you like to see yourself right now on television?
12: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd like that a lot. I, yeah.
11: th- I think it would do you a great deal of good. Okay. Why don't you come over here with some monitors? Just, uh,
12: look at yourself there. Carol!
11: Roddy! Chit.
12: Carol, why didn't you tell me?
8: Well,
12: I... but I've got a smudge on my chin.
8: <laughs> I'm
12: on your show with a smudge on my chin—that's terrible.
8: <laughs>
4: That's better. Nice.
12: <laughs> yes.
4: Classic, classic uh, 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 goofball comedy. Love it.
5: Yeah, and the, and the interchange between the two of them is beautiful, and it's you know for for you know, and I, I Carol Burnett, amazing. You know, and you put her with Roddy; it it it's it it just yeah. seems to work. They're, they're uh, they have really good chemistry together. So yeah,
4: a um, lot funnier but, than a than the plethora of fat shaming jokes that go on with other people on the Caribou Net show. Sorry, I, I don't mean to bash that, but there was so many. I swear to God, I was watching like I watched like three episodes in a row. It's like every joke they had on there was like a fat joke about the person that was on, and I'm like that's all you got.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes that could get, you know, you can get carried away with those. Definitely. Um, But But, yeah. So I also put the link for the Rodney McDowell um, home movies in channel for people who are interested in watching them. They're absolutely hilarious. I mean, they're great because they, one of them shows him getting his makeup put on. Oh, nice. And it it, it is pretty spectacular. Um, I bet. Yeah. But um, so Rodney McDowell, known for *Planet of the Apes*, yeah, known for his classic, you know, childhood roles. But he is one of the one of my favorite horror movies, classical horror, classic horror movies of all times. Um, and it is creepy. It is a good creepy movie and for its time. It was it was very well done, and that would be the legend of *Hell House*.
8: <laughs>
9: name of god what did he do to make this house so evil
12: murder vampirism cannibalism drug addiction alcoholism sadism mutilation
9: how did it end
12: if it had ended we would not be here house tried to kill me. It almost succeeded. I don't accept this. I do not accept this!
4: Richard Keel is in that movie too.
5: No, neither did I. That's kind of (laughs) cool.
4: I got, I got to play, I got to uh, play this movie for Susan in the lead up to Halloween. I don't think she's ever seen it. And it is just, uh, just a fine performance. And I just want to interject for one second about Roddy McDowell is for me as a kid, Planet of the Apes was like, you know, Star Trek and Planet of the Apes was kind of my world because, you know, I had the Mego action figures from both of those. And, Roddy McDowell was the first person that I could recognize from his voice alone after seeing him first in the Planet of the Apes franchise and then later, and I'm sure my dad was like, you know who that guy is? He's the guy who plays Cornelius in Planet of the Apes. And, and and I, you know, and I'd be like, oh my God, you know, so... I've always, um, I think that helped me because I'm really good at identifying famous voices when I hear like a voiceover on a commercial or something like that. You know, I'm like, oh, well, that's you know, uh, Patrick Stewart or that's you know, uh, um, you know, G- John Hamm. John Hamm does like every commercial now. Um, but yeah, it, so so that I think that kind of helped me like separate the the idea that you know that there's a well there's a real person behind the makeup in a mask and roddy mcdowell was the very first person i can think of in my life that had their features so obscured uh that you know i i was able to recognize them by by voice alone later on so it's kind of a fascinating thing for me
5: yeah, very distinctive voice. And I usually can pick it out whenever I hear him because he's he's done a lot of voiceover work too. So yeah. um but uh yeah, great movie, great Halloween movie. Um mm-hmm. very creepy. Uh yeah. he even has a black cat in it. So, you know, Tennessee and Loki can, you know, Ram. cheer on their brother. <laughs>
8: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but, sure.
4: They're they're, they're brethren. Yes.
5: Yeah, so um but yeah, I would definitely put that on a list. If you've not seen it go ahead and watch it some spooky night. It It, it is a fun movie to watch. And uh, he plays a very intense role in it. And I think for the last uh, clip for the day, I mean, cl- last clip for this. Good. This, yeah. this is, not
4: this is really. it came from yeah. Cleveland, not time for Go to Bed.
8: Um, yeah, no. So.
5: <laughs> the, yeah. The, this is, this is going to be the last clip for this segment, I think. Um, He... Um, in 1980, he was on Fantasy Island, and he had a recurring role. I think he—I think he was on three episodes, but he played the devil, and uh, him and Mr. Rourke clashed heads constantly. And this one is funny. It's a little—I the way it hit me, it, it felt a little right to life, but that wasn't really a big as big a thing mm. back then in the 80s so this um, this is from the episode um, The Devil and Mandy Bream slash Instant Millionaire and this is Mr. Rourke versus Satan Could it be Satan?
4: Fourth time
1: They are clinging to each other in the face of the unknown each bravely giving comfort to the other
12: Why Rourke? You are an incorrigible romantic.
1: If you mean that I am in love with love, you are quite right.
12: Don't get me wrong. I find love very useful. Without love, there would be no temptation. In my business, I couldn't get along without it.
1: On the contrary, love is the creative energy of the universe. Without it, life would be hell, and you would have won long ago. Someday... Someday, when all mankind really learns to
12: love, you will finally be destroyed. I am not the one facing destruction here. Your time is almost up. Nothing you have said compels me to release your clients or you. You are finally beaten.
1: We both know the rules. You must take exactly what you are entitled to exactly. Not one soul more nor less. Or you relinquish your claim to all of us.
12: I claim
1: all three souls. Three. I don't see how you can manage that. There are four souls here. Four. How will you take Mrs. Bream? without harming the child. What child? Oh, I'm so sorry. You did know Mrs. Breen was pregnant. Did you not? You are forbidden to touch the unborn child. So, if you cannot take all, you take nothing. that not what you have been trying to do you lose again you can't take any of us The Breams are free of you forever.
12: You hurt my feelings, my dear Rourke. <laughs> I know the rules. Even my worst attractors must admit that the devil is a damn good sport. Thanks for the game, Rourke. We will play a game. We have all eternity before us. And sooner or later, I am bound to win.
4: You bastard! Oh, Richard Keel wasn't there too.
5: So. Oh wow, hey, he's showing up all over the place. <laughs>
4: And uh I just posted in the chat. Let's not forget uh Ricardo Montalban and Roddy McDowell worked together in Escape from Planet of the Apes and conquest of Planet of the Apes too. so they had a history together,
5: yeah, and it seemed like they had a really good uh relation a really good um again a good charisma good you know chemistry they, they played for off sure yeah, yeah yeah, they played off each other really well in that scene
4: very well, yeah, I mean, and you know i i uh, I wish Ricardo Montalban had a greater presence in in film uh, films that, than he had, but what he did with Wrath of Khan and you know Armando in Escape and Conquest was just remarkable. He, God, I, his performance in the Planet of the Apes franchise was—I loved him more than Charlton Heston in in those sequels you know. Yeah. So, uh you know, it's like, you know, obviously Heston was only in the first two very very briefly in the in the Beneath Planet of the Apes. Um but uh yeah, it, it, you know, what what I think what he brought to the franchise was even cooler than what Heston did. I don't want to knock Heston, but um Charlton Heston was kind of one of those actors where he's always Charlton Heston, you know.
5: Yep, yep. But, um, yeah, uh, um, uh, Montman has a very iconic uh, uh, way about him, which which helps out a lot. A
4: a regal, uh, you know, quality that's kind of unmatched by others. And he was fit AF.
5: (laughs) Oh, God, yeah, he was ripped.
8: Wow.
4: (laughs) Yeah, even, you know, when he was older on uh, Wrath of Khan, my Lord, I don't know how old he was on that set, but... He was in the best shape of anybody there, I would say.
5: Yeah, yeah. He, oh, George Takei may have given him a, a run for his money. Mm, that's but, true. Yeah. yeah,
4: that's true. Takei and uh, a couple of the younger actors, maybe. But uh, but Monobon was pretty ripped, so. Yes. But uh, but no, that was great. That was fantastic, Michelle. Thank you. I forgot that he... How many episodes of Fantasy Island was he in?
5: I think three, maybe Four
4: that's too cool that's too cool i i forgot about that and uh i appreciate you uh jogging my memory but um we probably should go to the break to try and get to as many of your other clips as we have because we do have another six clips i believe and yeah um, a lot of night yeah they're not all that long so i think we can do it so
5: and yeah and and another horror movie he was in
4: yeah, so oh, yep. we have our second birthday trailer break, our horror trailer break. You got your notes raring to go?
5: Yes, I do. We've got some. Cla- we have a classic in this one. We have a, uh, a September fifteenth, nineteen oh seven birthday for a Miss Fay Ray. So we're going to be doing some King Kong. Um, we have a uh, a nineteen forty seven September fourteenth birthday for Sam Neill in the Mouth of Madness.
8: You'll love and that movie. I,
5: oh, I have an insane one here for Mr. Walter Koenig. He was born in nineteen thirty six on September fourteenth. This movie is bat crazy. It is called <laughs> Mad Cowgirl.
4: Speaking of Star Trek, Chekhov and Mad Cowgirl. So, yep. <laughs> Alright, here we go. Uh and Richard Keel also features heavily in this break. <laughs> I told you. We'll be right back. We're millionaires, boys. I'll share it with all of you. Why in a few months you'll be up in lights on Broadway. Come. Be it. Wonder of the world!
1: Weird, wonderful, the stuff for which movies were made. Adventure, to make you
0: wonder if it's true, while your eyes convince you that it is. Truly, the thrill of thrills. Don't miss it this time. The
1: riots began because the
0: stores could not meet the demand of Sutter Kane's novel, In the Mouth of Madness. Kane
1: disappeared uh, two months ago without a trace. I'm the guy that writes horror books.
0: You can
8: forget
5: about
1: Stephen King.
9: Kane outsells them all.
6: I need to know if he's alive or dead, and I need that book.
0: It's a setup. It's a setup. I just have to work out how it's set up.
6: Kane's writing has been known to have an effect on his readers.
0: This. It's a map. This whole thing has been staged. You just get out. This is not reality.
2: It's all happening for real, Trent.
1: He comes out next month.
13: <laughs> <laughs> the BSE th- threat to humans in this country is
1: so remote that there is a better chance you'll get hurt crossing the street to get to the grocery store than by the beef you buy.
12: They will pain and suffering. There will always uh-huh. be evil in this world.
8: You'll see my soul.
6: I am no longer interested. This mad cow disease shit is just some paranoid craze. Everything's gonna be alright. No, it's not gonna be
8: alright. It's not gonna be alright,
1: okay? What is my penance? Nice little
8: mess. You're perfect.
1: become the gold of the Thunderbolt Kick. Then you must kill the ten tigers from Ponton.
4: Well, you know what I want to hear again.
12: Um, we shall found our own armies, our own religion, our own dynasty, and that day is upon you now. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Mm.
4: Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> that speech was perfect. I, I, you know, I wish I had the whole thing, but it was, you know, it's like a good two-minute speech, uh, trying to. The, the humans are trying to talk uh, uh, Caesar down in Conquest of Planet of the Apes, and he's like, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. We have something new that's happening right now.
8: <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. Um, so, anyway, welcome back, uh, Joe, uh, and thank you once again for uh, the fun Richard Kiel uh, stuff. I don't care what anybody says about you. You
8: bastard!
4: Uh, that was a great segment. <laughs> So. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and, Miles, I appreciate your uh, loosely satanic uh, World War II stories. Fifth time. Could it be Satan? There you go. Thank there you. you. A little, little history into uh, some uh, history of violence. Um, and, Michelle, back to you on the Roddy McDowell front.
5: Yeah, so we're we're getting into now some of his his um, more recent movies, you know, in the in the '80s and such. Um, there was a horror movie that he did. It was a um about a inner city school that was um just going to the punks. You know, the they 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 were just he had students in there that they're raping, stealing, doing drugs, dealing drugs. You know, right. it was. Yeah. And this is it's basically a movie about a young, a young teacher who moves to this inner city school um, after having problems at his old school. And uh, Rodney McDowell is one of the teachers that's already there. And Rodney McDowell is reaching the end of his rope. And he shows this new teacher (laughs) that he has a gun. Well, one day in class, he snaps. And he figures if they're not going to listen to me normally, I'm going to force them to listen. And here oh, we go.
12: We can have any number of X chromosomes in any species, but it is only with the addition of the Y that we get the male. Ah! Sit down. Please.
1: Okay, off, excuse off.
12: me. Excuse me, please. Let me. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm calling the police to handle this. Work. No, let Mr. Norris talk to him first. Our yes, student's in there. Yes, and that is Terry Corrigan. That's
13: not a maniac killer. Let me have a chance.
12: Come on, he's my friend. I'll back him up. Jerry. Well, you, you shouldn't be in here, Andrew. What are you doing? I'm teaching. Can't you see that? You, uh, tell us the factor for the female of the species. Teacher talks to you. Wait a minute, Terry. No. Andrew. I don't come into your class and tell you how to teach now. No, what is the answer, please? Oh, no, you simply cannot afford to fail this class. Now, what is the answer? <gasps> what is the
8: answer? Oh, uh,
12: please. Uh, uh, why? Why? You see how simple it is. <laughs> oh, you know, he has never, never answered a question in this class. I'm finally teaching him. Oh, tell me down! How many chambers are there in the human heart? Oh, come, on. come on,
9: Four. I, th- I think four.
12: It's wonderful.
4: Wow, <laughs> that was very intense. intense. <laughs> wow, I've yeah, never, I've never even heard of this movie.
5: Yeah, it gets pretty brutal towards the end because um, the punks kidnap his his the, the, the younger teacher's wife and she's pregnant.
8: Oh my god.
5: Yeah, and do some awful things to her. But, yeah, it's it's an interesting movie. From 1982. Yeah. Wow! Wow! Class of eight. A- Class of 1984.
4: There you go. <laughs> wow! Holy smokes! All right. I, well, look at you. You didn't have to teach me at gunpoint. I want to watch this movie.
5: Very so. cool. <laughs> um, yeah. the 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 next the next one I have. This is going to be the rest of the uh, rest of the uh, the segment. This is my all time favorite one of my all-time favorite vampire movies, one of my all-time favorite Rodney McDowell movies, and it was recently remade, but this is a better version, by far. Um, and it's called Fright Night.
12: Mom, there are people next door.
5: Oh, I
9: guess the new owner's moving in. Supposed to be very attractive. There are two guys out
2: in the yard, and I think they're carrying a coffin.
9: Charlie, do you want to make love or not?
2: there was a murder last night Charlie thinks he saw
0: the victim
9: in this house I saw him carry her body out in a plastic bag
12: another body of a young woman
13: was discovered earlier this morning in back of the Sheridan Mall (laughs) the guy did have fangs and a bat did fly over my head and a second later he stepped out of the shadows don't you see what that means wait let me guess what? I
12: have a vampire living next door to me, and he's gonna kill
9: me if I don't protect myself. A vampire cannot enter your house without being invited first. This is our next-door neighbor, Jerry Dandridge.
8: Hello, Charlie. Right night!
4: Richard Keel also was in that. Uh, no, he wasn't. You
13: bastard! <laughs> no.
5: <laughs> a very 80s soundtrack. A lot of fun songs in it.
4: Oh, um, I love those 80s soundtracks so much, Michelle. You know me. I mean, ugh. So good.
5: Yeah, and I, I, I have the soundtrack on cassette. Um, I think oh, I have it on CD as well. So. Nice. <laughs> Um, i I have the original movie poster from the movie theater so um yeah it, it's one of one of my faves um and the really cool part about this movie uh, you just heard um you just heard Charlie and Charlie's the one young man that has a vampire moved to him, move next door to him yeah um, I think his name I think the guy, actress playing him is William Ragsdale if I remember correctly and Chris um Oh, God. Chris... It's not Sarandon, but it's close to that. Uh, Maybe
4: it is Sarandon? No, I think it is Chris Sarandon.
5: Okay. Chris Sarandon plays the vampire. But Rodney McDowell steals the movie. Because he is playing the aging horror movie host, Peter Vincent, the vampire killer. And he is having money trouble. It is Chris Sarandon. Okay. Yeah. So... Peter Vincent is amazing. And he um, is willing to go check out, uh, 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 Charlie's friends pay Peter to go check out this guy and perform a fake vampire test on him. And that would require this man to drink holy water, which is just fresh, you know, water out of a fountain. But Peter uh, Charlie thinks it's real. So here we go.
1: Well. Oh. Bottoms up. Ah.
8: Ah.
12: (laughs) There. Satisfied? Totally. Well now, Charlie. You saw that. Are you convinced now that Mr. Dandridge is not a vampire? It can not be. But but Charlie, you saw it. (laughs) Now, you know as well as I do that no vampire can drink blessed water. And it wasn't blessed. Are you calling me a liar, young man? If he's not a vampire, have him touch this. Oh, Charlie. (sighs) You've made a fool of yourself once. There's no reason to compound the error. Yes, Charlie. You've already caused
3: your friends quite enough pain. You wouldn't want to cause them any more,
13: would you?
5: No.
3: finally convinced i'm not a vampire either right yes well i'm glad that's settled
12: i can't tell you how much i appreciate this mr Vincent. you've been a great help not at all glad to be of service
3: it's very nice meeting both of you
7: please please, please. <laughs>
4: Uh, oh, just so you know, Michelle, uh, Chris Sarandon. Also, he was Prince Humperdinck in The Princess Bride as well. Yes,
5: yes. I have trouble with the name sometimes, but I know no, I know the okay. face and I know the voice. So,
4: and yeah. also, also another bit of trivia about Fright Night because I just wrote this movie up a while ago because we're selling a VHS copy. Shocker. Um, uh, Tom Holland, not to be confused with uh, Spider Man. Uh, Tom Thomas Lee Holland, born July eleventh, nineteen forty three, also directed Psycho two and Child's Play.
5: Yeah, I, I can see a little bit of that. Um, he 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 did a real. Uh, this was just a, a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Good comedy, good good horror effects. Some of the horror effects are absolutely spectacular. And oh dear um, lord, yeah, yeah, and it's got a melting face part in it, which is a lot of fun. So. No. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but um so yeah, so Peter Vincent, you know, they're talking they're, they're they're leaving, they're getting ready to leave the house. And what Peter does is he opens up his cigarette case. And his cigarette case is a fancy cigarette case from from his his uh horror hosting days and it has a mirror inside. And he's just accidentally looks into it and he realizes he can see Charlie and the girl uh, he can see Charlie, he can see the the girl and and Ed, but he can't see Christopher Sarandon Chris Sarandon's uh, character he can't see the vampire
6: I expect we have a lot of the same interests you know in horror movies and the occult
12: (gasps) something wrong Mr. Vincent no I I just felt a a little
8: uh,
12: oh uh, it's just my clumsiness. Are you sure? Oh, I'm, I'm positive. we have been taking up much too much of your time. Thank you so much, uh, uh, come along now, everybody. Ah, uh, we are. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah,
8: bye-bye.
12: <laughs> What's wrong with you? Uh, nothing. And why are you shaking? I, I'm not shaking. You saw something in there, didn't you? You saw something that convinced you he was a vampire. Of course not. Please, Mr. Vincent, you have to tell me. Our lives depend on. That. All right. He didn't cast a reflection in my mirror. Satisfied now? Mr. Vincent, you have to call the police. Mr. Vincent, shit! You bastard!
4: Oh, sorry. That's the Richard Kill scene there.
5: So. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, no. what's funny? Yeah, what's funny about this is he's panicking now.
4: Yeah, yeah, because I mean, honestly, he's just kind of a horror host, which I think is one just one of the coolest fun things that these kids are like. Oh, I know we, who we have to contact. We got to get this guy who hosted horror movies, <laughs> you know, because he's a he's the real deal. And yeah, well, uh,
5: yeah, it's it Charlie that that is a big fan of Peter Vincent. Mm-hmm he's been a fan of him for most of his life. And then, you know, when the he finds out he has a vampire living next to him, he thinks Peter Vincent can handle it. The other two kids know that he's just a horror host. He's just an actor. So, yeah. <laughs> but now, now, now Peter Vincent's panicking. And what makes it worse is when he dropped his cigarette case on the ground and it broke, he left a shard of glass when he picked it up. And as Christopher, uh, as Chris Sarandon is walking, he steps on and he looks down. He realizes, Oh, I have a problem. Yeah. So, yeah, so Peter Vincent runs back to his house, shuts himself into his house. Some shenanigans happen, something happens, and Ed shows up at his door.
12: Who is it?
11: Me, Evil Ed. What do you want? Hurry, there's a vampire out here. Let me
8: in.
12: What are we going to do?
2: What are you going to (sighs) do?
7: Not me.
8: Oh. Oh.
2: Now, I used to admire you, you know that? Well, of
9: course, that was before I found <laughs> out what a fake you were. Peter Vincent, the great
8: vampire killer of the... Thief. <laughs>
5: So he forces that out the window with his cross. Um and uh what Peter now realizes is the jig is up. The vampire's onto him. The vampire is starting to turn Charlie's friends. And what he really worries about now is um Mrs. Brewster, Charlie's mom, is home alone. And he's afraid the vampire's going to go get her considering she it, she has already invited the vampire into her home.
4: Oof, yeah. That's that's a never good. And here's the clip.
12: Mrs. Brewster! Mrs. Brewster! Operator, get
5: me that. Mrs. Brewster. The phone was cut. Oh,
12: Mrs. Brewster. Thank God, the phone wires have been cut.
9: No. <laughs> I did it.
8: Where is Charlie's mother? Oh,
12: well, apparently she's working nights.
8: But she left a note. Uh, 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 uh. Mm -mm. he is
1: thinners in the oven
4: (laughs) ouch
5: yeah so and then more shenanigans ensues uh he falls on the table breaks the table and luckily at the wooden table. So, as Ed jumps for him, he kills his first vampire.
4: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, a splintered uh, wooden table uh, might make a stake or two.
5: Yes. And it yeah, it's it it is a fun movie. Um, it's got some great scenes in it, some beautiful makeup. Um, some of the vampire changing scenes are absolutely stunning. And um it, it it and the comedy is great. So, I you know, if you haven't seen it, enjoy it. it. There are some gory parts in it, I will admit, but it's more more over the top gory without yeah. trying to be too anatomically gory. So, there you go. Yeah.
4: And you know, and uh, again, uh, th- I think the this segment, your segment pairs nice with with mine in the fact that uh, we've got some comedy horror stuff, although the Elvira movies are not gory, really at all. It just plays a lot into like horror tropes and things like that, and I think this one does as well. So,
5: and uh, and and two horror hosts: one fictional, one fic, fic, fictitious, and one real horror host. Yeah, so, there so you go.
4: I suggest uh, a double feature uh, recommended by Michelle and myself: to uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and Fright Night. I think yes, that would be, be a perfect. great double feature. Actually, the next party we have, uh, where we uh, have movies outside, I think that's going to be our double feature.
5: That would well, be very cool.
4: Even though uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark is already a double feature. So I guess it would be a triple feature.
5: Yeah, yes, definitely.
4: So. <laughs> 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 that's, that's how they advertised it. <laughs> <So>. Yes, <laughs> And, yeah, Susan says this is her first scary movie she went to see in a theater in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, back when it first came out. So That is
5: most cool, yeah. Um, yeah. When I worked for the movie theater, it was one of the movie posters that I was able to pick up, and it made me so happy.
4: I'll tell you what, Michelle, if you ever decide to part with any, your, any of your movie posters, you probably could make a small fortune off of them. Uh, I've
5: got a lot that I don't even put up.
4: Yeah, well, there you go. You might want to see about, uh, you know, taking some pictures and slapping them up on eBay. So, um, but uh, unless you feel like hanging on to them, of course.
5: Well, some of them uh, are not in the best of condition. They didn't store them properly. They folded them up. So there are fold lines in most of the posters I have. One of them was really torn up, and it's a shame. I had a a, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warrior.
4: That is, uh, you could probably still get a decent amount of money for it because I don't know No, think I can't.
5: It's it's really messed up. Mm-hmm. It's tore, well. and I've had to tape it back together, and I gotcha. actually just hung it out in the garage, so it's in pretty bad shape. Well, there you go.
4: So, you know what I have? I don't know if, uh, I have um, a video store uh, vinyl banner for Ed Wood uh, that I hang in my garage. I think I might have sent you a picture of it before, but. Um, it's actually like from when the, when the movie came out on VHS, um, the, it it came into the store that I worked at. I worked at a grocery store that had a video rental in it. And, and, um, I was like, I want that banner now. And (laughs) I just took it.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Well, we showed Lost Boys Mm
8: -hmm. and
5: so I got the Lost Boys poster and, um, I couldn't get the alien poster. I wanted to, the aliens poster, but. I, I got the Lost Boy one, and even back then, when it was just come out, somebody offered me 150 bucks for it.
4: Nice, nice. Well, they knew, they knew. Well, I'll tell you what, we are at the end of the show uh, right now, but Michelle, that was spectacular. Great stuff uh, from Roddy McDowell. And-
5: yes, and he's so amazing. I just love his catalog, and he was in the cat from the, the Cat from Outer Space as well. There That's you go, right, Disney movie,
4: and that was a black <laughs> kitty too. So. Wasn't it? Wasn't that a black cat in that movie?
5: No, no. I think it was a tiger. I think it was oh. a uh, a tiger stripe one. Uh, but a, a, a like a brownish tiger stripe.
4: Gotcha. Alright, well, Michelle, what do you have uh, on the way out uh, before we end the show?
5: Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm. my big suggestion is go and check out those home movies. Those little, uh, those handheld uh, camera movies that Roddy McDowell did about uh, Planet of the Apes and the makeup and stuff. Those are fun to watch.
4: Oh, Yeah. Indeed. And, oh boy, Halloween approacheth, too, Michelle. So yes. yes. Looking forward to seeing your decorations. I am too. <laughs> Alright. Uh, Miles, what do you got, sir? Um, Just
7: stay cool, don't, uh,
4: don't get in trouble, and have fun. I concur. I concur with that. So... And Joe, thank you uh, once again uh, for uh, again uh, giving greater detail to the Richard Kiel, uh friendship with Bob Weatherwax. What do you got on the way out?
6: Oh well, we have the uh, Tim Corma show coming up Sunday. We're going to explore rapper research. There you go. Oh, okay. Very good. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, put that in Oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, you know, we call it Ball's Gate. <laughs> you know.
4: The, well, there you go. Just don't do a, a split and tear that um, in a dance move uh, by landing <laughs> on your keys, like Andy <laughs> in the office. Uh, no, no. Yeah. No, you gotta swing those forward.
8: <laughs> sure,
4: sure. Or just put them on the back of your truck. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> girl.
5: Or, as Jim Ward would say, don't drag your yam sack through the brambles.
4: Don't drag your yam sack through the gr- brambles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, we got to go. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in tonight. Uh, thanks uh, to all my co hosts, Miles, Michelle, and Joe. And uh, I hope everybody has a terrific weekend. We will see you next Friday. And we are just going to get bigger, better, and more fun going into Halloween. So,. Uh, Check it out.
12: We shall found our own armies, our own religion, our own dynasty, and that day is upon you now!